and welcome to Us Weirdos Have to Stick Together, the show where a couple of weirdos talk all about the Owl House. My name is Nobody, and I'm joined by the most wanted criminal on the Boiling Isles. It's Vivian. How are you today, Vivian? Uh, I was really uh, wondering if you were going to remember that. <laughs> uh, yeah, hey everybody, it's me as always. Uh, trying a different name. <laughs> yeah. I guess I should have asked beforehand if you wanted me to use that name oh, on the yeah, show, yeah, but no, there yeah, you go. No. Yeah, totally, no. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I mean, aside from, uh, obviously, as I mentioned multiple times on the Twitter, uh, getting both COVID and bronchitis and dealing with that shit has <laughs> uh, delayed us doing any podcast since, like, the last time we recorded was the Christmas one, right? Yeah, it sure was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, we did that, like, I think two or three days before Christmas itself, so almost a whole month, <laughs> so yeah. Uh, it was more than that, because... We, we did it like two or three days before I left for the holidays, oh, right, so right, yeah. we would have recorded we, that on we, like yeah, the we, 15th we ha- or the 16th. Yeah, we had an episode that released between then and before we put out that mm-hmm. episode, yeah. right? That's what it was. Yeah, it's been over a month since we recorded. <laughs> yeah, uh, been a bit. <laughs> hey, again, turns out uh, nobody plans on getting sick with, uh, well, I mean, some yeah. some people like Bolsonaro definitely uh, keep getting COVID intentionally, it seems, but uh, most people don't plan that shit. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, I, I suspect that I got it when, and I guess also this changed uh, since last time, uh, I have my own apartment again now. <laughs> hey! It's a studio apartment, it's something fancy, but it gets the job done, but, like, I got that, uh, I was told I got approved for a place, like, maybe, like, a couple days after we did the Raggedy Ann and Andy and Harold yeah. episode. So, and then we did on New Year's Day. <laughs> I just checked the archive. We recorded that episode on the 10th of December, so. Yeah, okay, yeah, because, uh, it would have been, uh, yeah, the 17th of December is when I got, 17th or 18th of December is when I got told, yeah, you can move it in two weeks. And I was like, oh, fuck. So I had to basically go and get a bunch of stuff to furnish an apartment if in Christmas week, basically, like <laughs> a week before Christmas, I think it was. Yeah. It, it must have been that. I think it was that Sunday, the 18th. Yeah, like literally a week before Christmas. And it's like, I suspect I got it from just somebody at the fucking Target. Because turns out when you go into a busy credit place like a Target in general, made more so during fucking Christmas rush and nobody wears goddamn masks because nobody gives a fuck anymore. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. it's like that. That's why yeah. I it. Yeah. But I'm all better. I, I have, like... I'm not sure if it's the bronchitis or the COVID, but I have, like, a little bit of a cough that really only, like, peaks whenever I, like... I notice when it's, like, when I eat food, but only when I, like, really, like, eat it quickly. Like... Because, like, I usually just bring, like, a buttered bagel with me to work to eat, and, like, it doesn't happen when I do that, but then when I eat lunch, I only take, like, a 20-minute lunch, and that makes me cough a little bit afterwards. So mm-hmm. I think it's more just when I rush and, like, put too much... <laughs> I don't want... T- don't take this out of context, anybody, of putting too much in my mouth, but, like... <laughs> <laughs> uh... Yeah. No, I think it's just something like that. But for the most part, I'm okay. The well, I'm serious. very glad to hear that. Yeah. Oh yeah, I mean, hey, it gave me a lot of time to uh, sit and dwell upon things, which uh, contributed a little bit to the name. Because <laughs> uh, it turns out, uh, yeah, because I got diagnosed on uh, two weeks on the morrow as of this recording, which would have been January 6th. 
because like I left work early at like two o'clock because I was just feeling miserable and it felt like I was gonna throw up like at least three times or so. So I went to urgent care and they're like, "Yeah, guess what? It's COVID." And also, you have bronchitis. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> take these meds for bronchitis. We're not gonna give you anything for COVID for some reason, but it's really just I guess because like the major COVID medications really just make sure you don't get hospitalized. And they were like, "Well, you've been on the ball with the vaccines and boosters, so you're good." Yeah, yeah, but then I had to basically like be out of work until Thursday of that week, and like they let me go back into the office. But one of the maintenance guys was just being a dick, and so like they were like, "Yeah, this guy's just gonna not shut up. You should probably just finish the rest of the day at home." So I took my laptop home and worked, did that like finished Thursday and then worked uh, Friday and Tuesday this week from home. But I've been back in the office since. Just because I, like, they were like, first starting to make it seem like I could never go back to the office because they were like, well, in order to be in the office, you can't have any symptoms. And it's like, you realize, like, one of the effects of long COVID could be just a persistent cough, right? <laughs> By yeah. your logic, that means I would never be able to be in the office. <laughs> or if you sneeze at all? I don't know. Compa- <laughs> compared to, like, a bunch of those shitty contract guys that they still have working there and have had working there since, like, almost, like, late September to, like, redo the floor and everything. Like, the, like basically just to, like do new furniture and stuff considering mm-hmm. all those guys i've heard like hacking up a fucking lung all the time and none of them wear a mask and everything it's like i would think that me being there in a different desk separated from everybody else far away and everything and wearing a mask and everything would have been all right but no that means guys really shit fit so i was like all right whatever i'll go finish the day at home i guess it's just not <laughs> good because it's just annoying with my studio apartment not having a lot of room <laughs> so yeah. but i managed but yeah, well, that's right. <laughs> kind of been a little bit of the last two weeks. <laughs> um, yeah, that that sounds like a lot, but yep. I'm glad you came through it okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't have any good stories like that. Um, I don't know, for the last two weeks I've just been sitting in this apartment alone the way I do when I'm in Canada. <laughs> yeah, and, it's, uh, a, it's also like a little bit of a contrast where it's like, yeah, like, I mean... <laughs> Again, I'm in the, my own apartment again after almost an entire year, and it's like, oh yeah, it's uh, way more quiet when you live by yourself, and it's amazing that I already had forgotten that after just a year when I lived by myself for the previous five. Right, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, in those cases, there was like most of that time was also with like two ferrets, so I wasn't like fully alone. <laughs> Not that ferrets make a lot of noise and all, or anything. <laughs> Yeah, I, I guess that's very fair. I think probably for me, just based on the experiences I've had, the ideal living situation is something kind of like a a college dorm, basically. Uh-huh. I like having my own room, but I also like having a common space where people can go that I can just exist in a place where I don't have to pay money, you know? Yeah, see, see the, the thing there is that I never actually had that experience because I commuted to college. So, like, I, oh, never, well. <laughs> I never had the college dorm lifestyle, but, like, I know that the college dorms at the college I went to, at least the ones that my friend was in, because, like, he was our uh, salutatorian, so he just got a free ride to college. So mm-hmm. he, did, he he chose to basically go to a college that was close enough that he could still be near his family, but not live with them, so he got the, so he just uh, stayed on, tight on campus. And, like, his was actually, like... They had, it wasn't like the normal, like, bedrooms where, like, I guess it's as you were describing, of like, they ha- he had a separate room, and they still had, like, the communal area, 
So it was actually like more like a like small apartment, I guess, in a sense, rather than the usual dorm room that you envision of like it's one room. You have your side and your roommate's side, and uh, that's it. <laughs> but yeah, I I never had to actually like live with other people that weren't outside my own family till I moved out to Illinois back in 2012, and that situation didn't last very long. But that was also because like for similar reasons with this one, it's like they were really like never around and never cleaned and everything at the least like with the fact that i had two roommates recently compared to just the one back then it's like well there was at least a better chance that somebody would actually be around even if one person wasn't right it's, it's still a case of like yeah but like they just didn't clean enough and like the, the cats that my own roommate had it's like one was just so skittish and fearful of everything and the other one was just like old and would just barf kind of at the drop of a hat at times and it's like yeah, I know that this is like definitely like not the not all cats kind of situation, but it kind of sold me off of not wanting to get a cat ever of my own at some point. I mean, yeah, I, I, I guess that's fair. Yeah, I think part of it is also just like I'm so used to pets that have like a cage that it's like, yeah, okay, you have your playtime like once or twice a day, and then that's it. <laughs> do your own thing while I do mine kind of deal and like having a pet like being like basically just like being like okay I exit my room and I really bump into a cat because it's just sitting there right in front of the entrance to the kitchen not moving because it's just being like yeah no this is where I'm hanging out and it's like please move but yeah nah. they just want to be where they want to be it's no big yeah, I know it's just that I never grew up with dogs or cats or anything like that like we had like <laughs> We were the weird family that had, like, all the other kinds of animals. Like, we had, like, we had uh, rabbits on occasion. Like, when I was a kid, we had a, I had a hamster, and it turns out the hamster I bought was pregnant, so it had more hamsters. And, uh, of course, when you're a kid, you're always like, I want it in my room. And then, like, with a hamster, you're like, right, hamsters are nocturnal. Fuck this. <laughs> go, into the, go into the, like, the main living area instead. So you're not keeping me up all night. And, like, uh, at one point I had a gerbil instead. The gerbil was at least cool, because, like, gerbils are not nocturnal so like it would actually sleep at night <laughs> and then like uh had a turtle for a long time to my knowledge it's still with one of my cousins because he had like a turtle pond so they were just like yeah when when my parents retired uh, and sold the old new york house to move to pennsylvania they were like we're not taking the turtle with us we're gonna give it to your cousin it's like that's fair <laughs> the turtle is like oh god how old is she now uh, like, 23, 24 years old or something? I got it, like, right around 2000. <laughs> like, it was, like, around, like, I think, like, she and, like, another turtle were, like, around, like, I guess my birthday present for, like, for early 2001 or whatever, but, like, the other turtle... Turns out the turtles were actually not old enough to be sold, really, and the other one passed away and kind of shortly <laughs> afterwards, so we at least got a refund for that because, like, yeah, you shouldn't have sold these turtles just early but the other one's still alive and kicking <laughs> so uh, yeah we've had like everything under the sun besides dogs and cats <laughs> <laughs> and then of course the ferrets that I mentioned above yep alright yeah just never been much in, <laughs> like accustomed to like the pet that just doesn't have its own separate area that can be locked off and just walking around Every every day getting home, like going up, like without any lights on, with the uh, the main light and the main like entrance room to that apartment being like so far away, I was always having to turn my phone on because it's like 
I don't know if I would accidentally be stepping into like cat shit or cat piss or cat vomit if I don't have a light on to see where the main light switch is. <laughs> so I was using my phone all the time for that. Just because that's what it was for like ten and a half months and that. Like eventually at some point I was like, I just I need my own place again. <laughs> well, yeah, I certainly yeah. don't blame you based on what you've said, but that is a highly abnormal situation. In yeah, the yeah, house. no, no <laughs> I, I understand that, and like I don't want to throw shade, but it's like I in that like last almost year that I've lived in Connecticut now, I don't think my roommate has taken them to the vet at all in that time. It's like you have to take your pets to the vet at least once a year, if not twice. No, not necessarily. Well, I mean, that's what I do with the ferrets. Like, especially well, once, uh, yeah, like... For some that... cats specifically, there are, uh, the vaccines that get used are multi-year vaccines, so you only have okay. to take them every other year or so. Okay, to, to be fair, like, I mean, I was taking the ferrets every year once, uh, Tucker got diagnosed with adrenal disease, because he had to get, like, mm-hmm. a yearly, like, little, like, rice grain-sized implant in him to help regulate that. And right. since I was like, well, if I'm already going out here with him, I might as well take his brother, too, just to get him checked out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, it's generally advisable to get a checkup once a year, but you really don't have to unless yeah, you need to get I, your vaccines I, I, renewed, you I know? Think, I think the thing is also that ferrets can kind of hide illness well. And then, like, it's kind of like a thing that I also heard people talk about with birds, where it's like, if you don't, like, really, like, notice the signs early on... It could just be like, well, they've just crashed entirely, and now we're rushing to the like the doctor on like a Sunday evening or whatever. Mm-hmm. Them kind of deal. Because yeah, they just they hide it really well for some dumb reason. I think with cats, it's like more noticeable because like cats are like a little bit more vocal and like, you know, I don't know. I think like it's just that they're more expressive. Like similar to like <laughs> if a dog is hurt, you like you hear a dog whimper a lot. Like you don't really hear ferrets do that much. Well, yeah, I don't know. Ziggy's never been sick or injured that I'm aware of, but she did step on something she didn't like the other day and cried about it for 20 minutes, so I am assuming I, that I mean, if she I, were injured, I, she would relatable. tell me. Relatable. It's like if you step your toe or step on a Lego. Like, you would complain for, like, 20 minutes. I sure would. <laughs> Not even that. It was just, like, um... I'm going to level with you. I'm a messy person. I sometimes throw my dirty clothes on the floor instead of throwing them all the way in the hamper. I just don't have good aim. And she stepped on a piece of clothing, and she did not like the texture of that piece of clothing and cried about it. <laughs> okay, I was envisioning it being something that was more like a bit like pointy or something. That was no, just felt no, bad no, no. Like pop pad or something, not just clothes. <laughs> She's like, ah, I'm critical of your fashion sense. Pretty hey. much. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> It ter- turns out your cat is like uh, like one of the kind of people who play like the Dark Souls games just to dress up their character, and it's like, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, it is a, a sort of a sparkly sequins tank top, so. <laughs> uh, so maybe like maybe the fabric itself just feels weird on cat. Yeah, that's my guess. Yeah. Yeah. Compared to like how most cats like love like just any blanket or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, you know, but my break was nice, I guess. Went back home, got to spend some time with the girlfriend, had to leave the kitty in a cat hotel for three weeks, and she did not like that at all. Yeah, I'd imagine. But I guess I don't don't really have any stories about it, because it's just going home and hanging with the people I love, you know? Yeah. <laughs> The only story that I can really tell about the time between our recordings is that uh, 
I got the fourth COVID booster uh, illegally, so... <laughs> how, how do you get that illegally? Well, the thing is, is that in Ontario, there there is a registry of all the vaccinations, right? Mm-hmm. And so when I went in to get the vaccine, they gave it to me, no problem. But then they went to input it into the registry and discovered that this was my fourth vaccine, but the first three weren't in the registry because I'm from Texas. And so uh, since the first three aren't in the registry, they weren't allowed to give me the fourth one, but they did it too fast. So I'm just not on the record. It's, they don't have the paperwork. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> you said that you, is that, you said that was your fourth booster or your fourth overall? My fourth total. Okay, yeah, yeah. similar with me, yeah, because I got the vaccines in like early 2021 and got the booster in that october and then last september yeah 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 <laughs> yeah okay because i because so, even think when something... i'm trying to follow public health mandates i do crimes i just can't help it <laughs> <laughs> uh, well sometimes you gotta do that especially when the government doesn't give a shit about you anyway <laughs> but uh yeah because i think i heard like i'm pretty sure like older people and like people that were like immunocompromised definitely also got had like an extra booster in like the spring of last year too so that's why, yeah, I, like, when you said four, I was like, wait, is the math off or something? Because I didn't realize you were counting the vaccine, yeah. the two initial ones. I think in Ontario, if under specific conditions, I think it's possible to have up to six at this point, so. Yeah, I think that sounds about right, yeah. I yeah. know when we first got here, that was, like, the week that they announced that they were opening up the fourth dose to uh, people who were over, I think it was age 65, or immunocompromised, and that was mm-hmm. just a total shocker, because I hadn't seen that coming at all. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, so I'm back in Canada now, and I'm very annoyed about the weather. <laughs> has, it, has it been just, like, snowing all over the place there yet? No, it it has been below freezing for the past two weeks and not snowed at all. It's so uh, unfair. Meanwhile, like, uh, definitely, like, I think on, like, Sunday night, it, like, snowed just, like, a very minor amount and melted immediately here. When Meanwhile, it's, like, been more in, like, the 40s most <laughs> days here in Connecticut. <laughs> it hasn't, like, really, like, snowed snowed, I don't think. Maybe Maybe, like, once back in, like late november early december here but like not as much as it did last year where like it's it really snowed on the day Elden ring released and i know it was, i remember it was that in particular because that was the day when i went and picked up my current pc <laughs> when i had to shovel up halfway for my car to drive up the driveway because uh, in hartford at the least they go around with the plows and actually like plow down into like those little like uh like most of the houses around the area of hartford have like those like uh what's it called driveways that kind of go down and behind the building mm-hmm. at least where i lived and uh they were supposed to go and do that and uh as i found out my old pc was not powerful enough to play Elden ring to the point where a bunch of enemies were invisible when i know they were not supposed to be invisible so that's why i was like well i guess it's time to get a new pc <laughs> and uh had to spend like 40 minutes just getting a path for my car to be able to drive up to drive to pick up a pc <laughs> in the fucking snowstorm <laughs> <laughs> and then drive back. Meanwhile, it was also like the only the closest place I could pick it up was like an hour and a half away too. Uh, that was uh, like three or four days after I moved here. <laughs> <laughs> not not here here. I, yeah, last year obviously not this year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, 
to be fair, my last couple of weeks here since our last recording have been insane my, for myself too, with having to plan a move, move on fucking New Year's Day, and then five days later be like, ah, fuck. I hope I didn't get anybody like my roommates sick with COVID or anything. <laughs> Fortunately, it doesn't seem like it because it's already been almost two weeks, like I said, since I got diagnosed. And I tested negative on Monday this week, so like, I'm pretty sure if they had it, they would have started showing some symptoms by now. So, ideally, I didn't get either of them sick, at least. Yeah, yeah, I definitely hope that. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they both have had COVID once before, at the least, as well, because, like, mm -hmm. my one roommate got it, like, pretty much, like, early January last year, like, uh, maybe, like, a couple of weeks before myself and the other roommate were even moving in, and then mm -hmm. the other roommate got it... Either in late May, late, late March or early April, I think, based on my recollection. But like, yeah, he basically just like holed right. up in his like room for like the two weeks, and a few times he had to actually leave. He would have a mask on and everything. So like, I, I can't speak to like whether or not it's easy. It's harder to get it again, even if it is still possible. But like, <laughs> my mom also had come up here to help with the move, like the pre the day after for the second. Like she was here just like overnight for one day, basically. <laughs> To help me get more stuff set up and she she hasn't shown any symptoms of it even though it's been two weeks since she was here too so i think she's also in the clear but she also had it back in october as well yeah so who knows it's, this thing is kind of just a crap shit, i guess overall like well yeah the person near you uh tested positive and for some reason you didn't get it weird yeah, who yeah. knows I'm not gonna lie, I was pretty worried about, you know, flying to Texas and back. Yeah, just especially with, hours like, trapped in a disease yeah, tube. Yeah, especially with, like, the recent news that it's, like, I forget what airline it was, but they were like, yeah, in, like, 95% of all flights, there's definitely COVID all over the place in the flights. Yeah. It's, it's actually amazing as well. Like, uh, one of my friends who's, like, in our same like tabletop group not not ours but like the one i'm in uh they're the only one that hasn't actually gotten into the four of us yet to their knowledge and they've been on like multiple flights at times for like their old job where they had to like go and help set up stuff in like a different state like a different office in a different state and it's like with all the time that they had to fly and everything and even like when they took a train back home to their place after they helped me move here last year it's like yeah it's amazing they haven't gotten COVID at all but now I can get it by just being in a fucking target for 20 minutes getting a microwave. <laughs> so, whatever. It's a fucking crapshoot. <laughs> well, yeah. It do be like that sometimes. <laughs> yep. <sighs> yeah, no, I, it's like, the thing is that I really haven't done a whole lot while I was healing from COVID. Like, at one point I was like, I just need to get some stuff set up because I've just been sitting around for so long. So, like, it was mostly just finishing some stuff that, getting stuff set up in my apartment, like, being like, one day just being like, I know I was going to win, like, get me pretty tired, but I need to get my books situated because I just have two giant tubs of books that are just <laughs> sitting here on the floor taking up space and they need to get put away so the tubs can get tossed. <laughs> yeah, uh, just... Been plunking away at Xenoblade still. I got back to that at least during this, and I'm almost done finally. I'm in the final chapter, I know that. Nice, <laughs> game's, nice. Game's fucking long. 
Also, even knowing what happens in near the end of Chapter 5, Chapter 5 still made me cry. <laughs> so that was a very fun uh, case of, like, being uh, real upset at a video game while also having a hard time breathing at times. <laughs> Thanks, Monolith Soft. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, if you ever, if you're, if uh, for anybody in the audience uh, listening in, if you want to play Xenoblade, uh, don't play it around when you have COVID, because that game can make you cry. It's not gonna be a good time, <laughs> in general. <laughs> but uh, way worse if you can't breathe very well. <laughs> uh, yep. I I have not played Xenoblade, but I've been back on my Assassin's Creed nonsense, so. Yeah, you've been posting some other garb, like some like nonsense about uh, <laughs> uh, Odyssey. <laughs> Wait, not Odyssey, it's not Odyssey. Uh, Valhalla, yeah. Val- uh, right, I was like, I was like, what's the fucking Viking one? Obviously Valhalla. I don't know why I didn't think about that name. <laughs> no, I finished Odyssey ages ago. So the thing is, is that the like, I think I've expressed before that I have a very specific kind of brain poison when it comes to video games. Mm-hmm. And Assassin's Creed games feed that in exactly the right way. It's because of how big they are and how many collectibles they are, I can just sit there for hours and not do things. And that's exactly what I need a lot of the time. So it's frustrating to me that they are such a good balm for my mind, but also, like... It's an Ubisoft open world. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so... Just the other day, I finally finished all the collectibles and side quests in the base game, so... <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, I'm over here being like, uh, do I really want to just, like, finish in the play, or do I want to do the hero quest to, like, unlock the level cap for the heroes? Because, like, uh... To put that in reference, uh, like you have like your main six party members in the blade, but you have like a seven slot, which is like recruitable hero characters. Some you get as like this part of the story, but like other ones are like, like actually most of them are just entirely optional. And mm-hmm. so like uh, at certain points, like when you get like their class unlocked on another character and level it up to the cap of ten, and then progress at a certain point in the story, you can do their like ascension quest. It's just like, yeah. it's like, hey, it's a side quest focused on this character to learn more about them, and then it unlocks at level twenty. Because, like, each, like, level 5 increment in the class unlocks, like, a skill or ability to use outside of that class. Right. So you can basically just, like, mix and match. Because, like, a big thing with that game is, like, mixing and matching all the different classes and stuff to, like, fit your playstyle with the characters and everything. So that's basically, like, okay, well, I could do these to unlock these other levels for these classes that are kind of crap. Because, like, turns <laughs> out a lot of the classes in Silver Blade 3 are actually not good. <laughs> It's like there's like a that was like five that are like actually really good and the rest are like eh, it's alright or just bad. It's like oh uh, yeah sorry but like like half of like the default classes that the main six characters have are just bad. Just outright <laughs> bad class unfortunately. But it's like well at least one of those is like really good and it's Mio's class which is just the dodge tank because the dodge yeah. tank was also one of the best characters in both Xenoblade One and Two. <laughs> turns out uh you should just play the dodge tank because why should why do you need to worry about having high defense or hp when you just have high evasion and you just don't get hit yeah yeah that's that's exactly it yeah that's why dexterity is the most overpowered stat exactly you can use it to attack and also increase your ac why would you why would you ever want to go with strength and just wear fucking full plate when you also have disadvantage on stealth which comes up a lot (laughs) yeah no it's just like yeah it's like 
it, it's funny how it's like so many people are just like, yeah, you just run these six classes on these characters, and then like you kind of just use whatever hero is like the best for chain attacks. It doesn't really matter what their class is, because like the heroes also only have like four attack options compared to the other party having upwards of seven plus their yeah. like like giant mecha fusions. Because anime video game. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it's uh, it's still a case of like, well, there's like still at least some use there, cause like the seventh class I use is usually just like one of the different healers, but not like an actual healer healer, but rather a character that just does a bunch of buffs, cause it's like, well, she doesn't need like three uh, like three other attacks anyway, because like her class is entirely give yourself a random buff, give your buffs to the entire party to copy them all, so this way everybody has the same buffs as you. It's like she doesn't need anything else. <laughs> <laughs> like Fiona needs only that, so it's like, yeah, you don't really need that as like one of the actual main classes on one of the main characters. But then like the other heroes right, are like yeah. the user like an actual proper healer and one that is like increases the rate that you recharge your uh, special attacks with. So this way you can just do more special attacks because they're more better <laughs> than doing auto attacks. So it's it's weird. It's like it's like yeah, these three healers out in the party, only one is actually a healer. <laughs> yeah. One is a buff, and one is another buff. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah. It, that game is good. It's just super long. I have, like, 130 <laughs> fucking hours in it. <laughs> and I have not gotten the DLC that unlocks another hero character with more quests. <laughs> yeah. There's definitely... There's good stuff in Assassin's Creed Valhalla, but it isn't good as a whole, if that makes sense. <laughs> like... It's it's such a big game. It's it can't be universally awful. It's I enjoy the gameplay loop. I like the way the combat works, even though I know a lot of people don't. And some of the story is pretty neat, but it's just such a big thing that it's so scattershot, you know? Yeah, it's it's like I don't really I wonder if it would have done better if it was just a separate game. Kind of, kind of similar to like how the other Assassin's Creed game that is definitely not about assassins but has the Assassin's Creed <laughs> title, like the pirate one. Well, like... that's not exactly the case, though. Because Kenway in Assassin's Creed 4, he's not an assassin at the start of it, and he's not an assassin for most of it, but he does eventually join up oh, with the Order. Okay, yeah, yeah. Okay. Like, the, like... the whole plot of the game is him realizing that he needs to stand for more than just money and murder and join a yeah take a stand and all that but doesn't his like kid become a templar because like his kid is like the guy you play is like in the first few hours of ac3 Mm -hmm. and then and then his kid is like uh i definitely do not know his name and like uh the original native american language or anything but i know it's like connor i think is the americanized crap name they give that guy (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's like he's an assassin, so it's like oh, I, gu- I guess being an assassin skips a generation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, if you want to go into the lore, uh, Edward Kenway's kid was an assassin, but he got won over by the Templars, who basically convinced oh, him okay. that his dad was evil, and gotcha. so he went to yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know, as you do, you gotta like eventually like yell at him and punch your dad. <laughs> yeah, some, it's, it's the law. <laughs> some dads just need punching. <laughs> I should know. Yeah, it's very much like Eivor, who is the protagonist of Valhalla, is not an assassin, and when given the chance to become one, refuses that chance. But also, it's extremely tied into the Assassin's Creed lore and backstory, so I don't know if they could make it a separate game. Yeah, okay. 
But it's, it's like, but but they don't have like a hidden blade equivalent, right? They sure do. <laughs> but they're Viking. Vikings are yep. all about big axes and swords and stuff. Oh uh, yeah. Well, you see, the thing knife. is, is that uh, normally the assassins wear the hidden blade on the inside of their wrist, right? Like it's a, mm -hmm. a disguise. But A4 wears it on the outside, so everyone can see it. It's like an implicit threat. <laughs> But isn't that just what the axe or sword does? Yes. <laughs> they're a Viking. That's like just existing is like a, is a threat to people because you're a Viking. Okay. Vikings are not good people. Maybe yes, but do you really think a Viking would turn down an extra weapon? I guess not. But it's like, but it's a tiny weapon. You want the big weapon, right? Because you're a Viking. I mean, not necessarily. There's a bunch of different play styles, but beyond that, it is like. The game is a lot more historically fair to Vikings than a lot of media has been. They're just like people. They're not, you know, bloodthirsty raiders. Right. Uh, it, I think there's a bit of a plot line where, in reality, there is a historical document where it's written by an English guy who mentions that they have to vilify the Vikings because the women keep leaving with them willingly on account <laughs> of the Vikings are the only ones who bathe. So... <laughs> <laughs> All right. Like I don't, we don't know how widespread that practice is, but there's at least one instance of a person saying that that is actively what they're doing, so people won't go with them. <laughs> and that's that's a lot more the line that the game falls into, yeah. Okay. At least somebody had fun with that design of that game, even if it still had to suffer by being an a a Ubisoft game and b a Ubisoft open world game. Yeah. <laughs> so therefore of course it means well there's like eight different uh, mission types to do and there's like a thousand of them all vomited uh -huh. all over this map <laughs> well it's it's not quite like that really the mission types are more or less gone in this game uh, you still do different things but it's not prescribed stalker missions or whatever you know okay gotcha. so yeah, like like uh, most of the Assassin's Creed games were. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just like a, the vast majority of like ninety percent of AC has been like that. But at least, well, yeah. at least this one isn't. But it still suffers from. Yeah, like, Odyssey vomit. wasn't like that either. So. Oh okay. Was Origin like that? I didn't actually play Origins, so oh, I don't okay. know. Oh, okay, because that's the one I know people, like, really spoke highly of. I know, I know people did speak highly of Odyssey, but I feel like Origin is the one that got people really turned around on AC based on the trajectory he <laughs> was going. Did they, I... even, did they make any allusion to continuing any of the overall story of, like, the fucking gods and everything? Desmond? Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, so... Assassin's like Creed lore slash spoiler time. Because, like, uh, <laughs> like, Desmond's dead, but also in the computer, right? <laughs> yeah, it's it's a lot. But long story short, the ancient people who came before humanity, the Isu, wiped out, blah, blah, blah. The plot of Valhalla is that a specific regiment of the Isu, uh, which are the Norse gods basically downloaded themselves into the DNA of humanity to ensure that they would be eventually reincarnated as humans when they got wiped out. So that's a lot of what the plot is dealing with. But I thought that it was like once Desmond like uh, like did whatever in AC3 that it's like, well, you can never like, like, re-bore, like, re like remake the goddess and be a god yourself or be praised or whatever, or you can say fuck that and die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
And then, like, that, that's still freed her in some way later on, but it's like, yeah, they haven't, like, keep bothered to deal with that. <laughs> yeah, no, that's... I, like, that's... I, part of it is that I just really think they just don't know how to do, an, like, a modern-day Assassin's Creed that would be dealing with that stuff. Because well... they're like, it's more fun to do historic stuff, so we'll just keep putting it off, I guess. Believe it or not, there is some very slow building to something with that. <laughs> because, um... Well, we'll see. I mean, Ubisoft canceled, like, seven games recently and pushed back Skull and Bones. Yeah. So let's see if they ever actually get around to doing that for modern-day yeah, Assassin's Creed. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> people Extremely have been they were, slow building. People, people have been thinking that they were going to be doing modern-day Assassin's Creed since, like, 2010, and they just have not. <laughs> I don't think there will ever be a true modern-day Assassin's Creed, but they are moving towards addressing more modern-day story concerns, if that makes sense. Okay. Like, even if they had a game that, like, it just occasionally, like, took you out of the fucking past machine to like be like and yeah. go in this little environment and do the thing in the modern day and then get back in <laughs> and mm-hmm. be a fucking I don't know Egyptian or whatever whatever they've done yet <laughs> well if I can spoil some stuff uh, <laughs> one of the characters in the game is the uh, human reincarnation of Loki who's manipulating Eivor basically from the beginning because Loki and uh, as a result, she traps him outside of the time stream. <laughs> so <laughs> he gets brought back in the modern day. So now Loki is just a thing again. <laughs> and that's like the end of the game. So <laughs> if yeah, anything is going to deal yeah. with the fact that there's another god running around, it's him. <laughs> well, we'll see. Again, I don't know if they ever actually will properly make that because it's like... It feels like at this point they're just like, yeah, we kind of just have to acknowledge at least some of that stuff, but in the background and just briefly. Yeah. <laughs> Compared to most things. I mean, because, like, I mean, the main character of, like, Odyssey was, like, in, like, a fucking time chamber holding, like, an immortality staff or whatever the fuck. Until, yeah, like, I don't even main, know what's Until, up like, the that. main lady of that game, not Desmond, some other person, showed up, yeah. took it from them, and they immediately turned into bones and died. <laughs> Uh, Layla Hassan has been the modern-day protagonist for the past three games. But, um, yeah, I don't know what the deal is with Cassandra, because when she's given the staff, she's told it'll keep her alive forever as long as she's holding it, and if she lets go, then all her years will catch up with her, and she'll age into dust. Yeah, like, I heard that too, and it's like, don't you just have to basically duct tape it to your hand then? Because, like, you obviously probably wouldn't hold on to it the entire time Mm -hmm. that you're asleep. Unless she doesn't have to sleep at that point, too. Well, the but thing is, then, she like... shows up in Valhalla, though. And she's about a thousand years older, and she does not have the staff with her, so I don't know how that works. <laughs> uh, Ubisoft, do you ever remember your own fucking lore? <laughs> the answer is no. I know the answer. I don't need an answer. <laughs> no, it's no. They don't give a fuck. But also, it's like, I don't know, I'm always the kind of person that thinks about that kind of stuff. Like, well, what happens if you go to sleep? What happens when you have to take a shit? Like, you usually don't want to have, <laughs> you don't want to hold, like, I know, I get that you might be holding your phone while you're on the toilet, but you're going to put it down at some point when you're finishing up. <laughs> so, yeah, you'd I, think your hand would cramp after a few centuries. <laughs> that too. Also, yes, you're having, to, like, you're constantly having to pass that thing back and forth between your hands and making sure at no point you're just like, tossing it between your hands because if you if you do that then it's like in that half a second you're eventually you're gonna turn to dust <laughs> so it's like you always have to make sure to like pass it over hold it with the other hand and let go with the first all the time <laughs> it's like you're gonna not do that it's gonna drive you yep. insane <laughs> uh. 
I don't know. Maybe, I mean, I mostly also think about that kind of stuff, because it's like, I literally played a druid who at some point realized, wait, shit, I'm going to live for like 450 more years. Fuck. <laughs> yeah. I get to watch everybody I ever knew and cared about die while I still linger on, unless I want to kill myself. <laughs> <laughs> Raylan did not kill herself. She actually did live <laughs> the entire time. She lived to be an old lady at like 470 years old. <laughs> Uh, while we were having this conversation, I went and did some Googling. So in Assassin's Creed Valhalla, there are 782 collectibles that I've just finished getting. Uh, no Comparatively, in the entire Batman Arkham series, there are 884. So between all four, five Batman games, there's only 100 more collectibles than just this one Valhalla. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that. See, well, I mean, aside from Ubisoft being Ubisoft, this is also why I don't play Assassin's Creed games. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I, I spent, I'm the kind of person that spent like fucking like 50 hours in the goddamn hinterlands. Mm-hmm. Fucking uh, Inquisition. And it's like, yeah, and the rest of the game was fucking nothing. <laughs> like, I mean, it's 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 part of one of those like problem kind of things where it's like, yeah, you can make any like if you just craft enough, you can craft things that are way better than anything you find in the game, just like in Skyrim or whatever, which I also did back then. Mm-hmm. But it's like I was trying to do the fucking stupid shit of like find all the sparkly stones or whatever to open up the fucking chest, like the, the hidden vault or whatever, and I did that, and then I got it, and it's like, oh, this thing sucks compared to what I made like 20 hours ago. My magic well, bow that I made myself is better than this thing that's sitting in here for, like, hundreds of years. Because, of course. Now, I understand, but the objective of the shards quest is not to get what's in the treasure chest. It's every time you open a door, you gain more elemental resistances. It makes you harder to kill. Oh, well, I... Again, to be fair, this was, like, 2014. I forgot that part of it. <laughs> I played yeah, that. That's the real I, reward I played that, that game. I played that most of that game in the last couple of months. I lived in Japan, <laughs> to put it in context. <laughs> I moved back to, to from Japan in like on like Valentine's Day of 2015, <laughs> and finished it like a few weeks later. <laughs> and was like the only thing I could really think of. Right? The only thing I remember at the end is like, why are they showing my elf rogue lady use knives against this bad guy who was introduced in the DLC for two when she used the bow this entire time? She doesn't use knives. <laughs> yeah, well, <sighs> uh, I don't know. Open, Video games. Open, open world games can be too big. <laughs> Yes, I agree. I, I say this having just like uh, said a lot of praise for Zelda Blade Three. Zelda Blade Three is also too big. <laughs> <laughs> Many open world games are too big. This is true. Mm-hmm. Many yep. publishers became obsessed with showing off what they could do and not with filling it with good things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, games. I also I also played a decent amount of Crosscode. It was closer to like around Christmas when I did so, and I only played it a couple times since I moved in here. But like I, I got that and uh, Bug Fables on the Steam sale. And nice. I haven't tra- I haven't played Bug Fables yet, but like I played I think halfway through Crosscode because like I have two of the four elements that you get as part of the story, and uh, it's like. It's weird because that game basically gives you like uh, kind of like a sphere grid for each of the elements. Like every time you mm-hmm. get one, you get like that where it's like yeah, every time you level up, you get points to put in there to unlock like more like special attacks with the like in like basically your neutral version where you don't have any element active or with 
having the elements active and everything, and like to give you more stats and stuff. It's weird because you have like party members, but you never really have to take them with you, and you can't like change any of their abilities or equipment and stuff. Like you eventually like you find like shots and stuff, and if you go up to talk to people, like you get like dialogue for them being like, "Hey, I got new gear," and it's like, "Okay, I guess I didn't pick stuff for you, but sure, <laughs> I guess I don't get to do that myself." But uh, it that game's weird. It's it's the whole premise of it is that you're like basically stuck in an MMO. <laughs> But it's an MMO set on, like, an actual moon. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like they, like, basically turned the moon into, like, kind of an amusement park for people to play a uh, digital video game in to, like, try and figure out the past of this moon with, like, the ancient civilization that was on it. I don't know. <laughs> the fun thing, at least, is, like, the, the main character's, like, voice modulator is busted. So they basically are, like, having her just, like, basically emote a bunch of stuff. And, like, <laughs> they, they add more words for over time. So it's just, like... The main character Leia just occasionally saying stuff like "hi," <laughs> just like in, <laughs> like in situations where it's like you would not say hi in here, but it's like she can't say anything else. But it's a lot of like just like nice little like uh, just like facial expressions for her just being like "the fuck is going on here." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nah, that that game's interesting. I, I I am glad that I waited until like that was like seven bucks or whatever on Steam sale, similar bug tables, because like I know. I know people spoke highly of both, and I know Bug Fables is really just Paper Mario, but the Paper Mario that you want, that they don't make anymore. So, well, I mean, they make Paper Mario, but not... They don't make partner Paper Mario with, like, actual, like, RPG elements anymore. <laughs> but yeah, I'll have to get to that at some point, but I haven't tried it yet. Yeah, um... I think I only have one more thing to say. This is also about Assassin's Creed, but it is a good thing about Assassin's Creed, so... I really, really like uh, Lady Eivor's voice. Because um, the thing is, is she is super low and gravelly. Like, I'm pretty sure her voice is deeper than mine is. And I just really like that, because it's nice to have a female protagonist who isn't... I don't know. Um, I, I mean... Commander Shepard again, you know? Yeah, yeah. Because like, uh, that seems to be the range for female protagonists in video games most of the time, and yeah. it's just really affirming to have a deep, gravelly-voiced woman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the growls she does. Oh, man. I don't know. I need to look up who that voice actor is. She's really good. <laughs> Today, my blade must do the work of school's sharp scissors. Cut short the court of Chutve's fate. But yeah, yeah, that's I, it for me. <laughs> yeah, I can't say it necessarily heard anything like that, but at the same time, I feel like most of what I really ever heard about that AC game has just been like, yeah, it's just it's more AC. Sure is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious about that. I want to see the player's voice. Uh, let's see. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't give me the default, dude. Uh, Cecile Steps, uh, Stenspil? Cecile Stenspil, it looks like? Uh, Can't say I'm familiar, but alright. No, no, that name doesn't sound familiar. Curious to see <laughs> what credit she has. Uh, it seems like a lot of theater stuff. Uh... She's apparently Rapunzel in the Danish version of Tangled. 
for what uh, reference point that gives us. <laughs> uh, <laughs> is the Danish voice of Alex from Totally Spies? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it looks like it's just a bunch of Danish dubbing and, like, not a whole lot else. <laughs> <laughs> well, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> and, and some theater, but, like... Yeah, no, nothing, nothing necessarily that really like is like, oh yeah, recognizable in terms of like for our purposes, as Americans. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, well, I mean, I didn't know that, but I'm glad it's authentic. <laughs> yeah. So. All right. Like for once, Ubisoft actually uh, making good on their whole. Like we have a bunch of people from different walks of life working on things. <laughs> yeah. Um. I. That that's pretty much it for me. Do you have anything else you want to bring up before we get into it? We are forty-five minutes deep. Yeah. No, we should probably get into it because. Uh, <laughs> It'll happen I mean, when we don't record yeah. for six weeks. Yeah. Thank God. <laughs> Okay, so here we go. The penultimate episode of The Owl House. We, we should probably also preface this. Obviously, this episode is not officially out when we're doing this. It's just that with our delayed return, we didn't want to just do an episode on She-Ra, then stop again to do Owl House, and then do the last two episodes of She-Ra that we have. So yeah. we were just like, let's just record this. It's not going to go out until the episode's officially aired anyway. Absolutely, not, yes. not not a great situation with iTunes leaking it two weeks early and then Owl Club just having kind of like a mealy mouth response of like, well, we feel bad about it, but we still have it on our site weeks later. Yeah, it's fine because we didn't leak it, so we can host it all we want. Yeah, but I feel like I just had to mention that real quick. So, no, again, I appreciate that, yeah. Kind of made it a little bit hard to ask for questions. Not that I don't think we got any, but it's like, I can't really ask for any specifics because I can't assume anybody that would be listening to us has seen the episode yet. Yep. Whew. Okay. The Owl House, Season 3, Episode 2, For the Future. <laughs> we open at the end of King's Tide, again. <laughs> Yep. Yeah, if, if, <laughs> as if you didn't need to already be emotionally devastated from <laughs> that once before and also the entirety of having to see that again at the start of last episode. Now you see it a third time. <laughs> yeah, so in the last episode we saw that scene again, but only the human world bits. But now we're seeing it again, but only well, the demon yeah, world bits. Yeah, because they, they basically repeated the last like two minutes of the episode overall. Because like, they showed the bit with like them getting uh, knocked back into the door by King. And then they showed them like getting like knocking on the door, and then it just continued from there. So it's like they just really repeated like the first like the last two minutes. Nah, of the not even. They just got thrown out the door. You see them landing, and that's that's it for the human realm at the beginning of this episode. Everything else is well. No, no, no. I, I meant I meant last episode because they. Just oh, repeated. okay. Yeah, they repeated the stuff from the end of King's Tide, like the last two minutes entirely. Not in here. Like obviously, like once they get thrown in, King doesn't know what's going on on the other side once the door well, closes. They did, but if you remember, in the last episode, they blacked out the demon world stuff. Like there were voiceovers, you heard it, but you didn't see it. The only shot we got of the demon world was oh, the one right, through right. the open door. Yeah, right. Yeah, because it was a black screen when you heard King say. Loose, I'm so glad you had you its big sister, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Gotcha. This is the opposite of that. This is only the demon world stuff and not the yeah. human world. <laughs> gotcha. God, it's only been three months. How did I really forget that? <laughs> yeah, so it's cinematic, but it is just the same scene again. Um, 
we do see though we get a shot we, we see the uh, door closing on the boiling aisles side this time and it just super explodes y'all there's it, not they're not it, putting it back together yeah, this time yeah, it, i don't i don't know how this really does really happen like 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 the last time like when we saw the door it was like the frame of it was breaking apart like the the like the emperor's like coven circle thing around it it wasn't mm-hmm. like the door itself was cracking so i don't know how this thing just immediately blows up <laughs> like this, this door was like just like basically like it should have had like a bomb attached to it or something mm-hmm. it's just like all right, all right time to go but <laughs> like, doesn't like glow at all or anything with like weird magic and then explodes it just blows the fuck up <laughs> <sighs> yeah I, I don't know what that's about but it's a much bigger explosion than last time i don't think it's going back together again um <laughs> So the uh, the collector sort of levitates King up in the air, and they're you know rejoicing because he hasn't felt this good in forever. He's free. They're dancing, and he's drawn King up into the air and next to him. And there's just shooting stars and sparkles all over the place. And uh, these are falling like meteors onto the residents of the Boiling Isles, who sure, are already sure panicking are, because yeah. of the day of unity. <laughs> we we were all thinking like, oh, is the Boiling Isles going to be just like a desolate wasteland? Is it even going to be there anymore? We really weren't expecting just giant fucking star meteors just <laughs> flying everywhere and just a bunch of like weird like kids like uh, star vomit everywhere or whatever the fuck. <laughs> I don't know how you yeah. would describe it later on. <laughs> But yeah, the, the collector's aesthetic is very, like, nursery, I want to say. It's it's just extremely baby sort of pastels yeah. and it's like smileys you would see this, and soft edges. And... It's like you would see this in, like, a, like a like book you read to a kid to make them fall asleep or whatever kind of deal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's very much it. Um, I guess I'll say for the reference now, because the collector uses he-they pronouns, I'll be alternating throughout the episode, so that's what I'm doing here. Uh, I just want to make sure they both get in there and not normalize it, so if yeah, I say something that sounds weird, it's because I'm trying to adjust for that. <laughs> yeah, they, they don't necessarily, like, fully address it in the show, but I definitely do remember in, like, the previous episode, like, Willow used he, him, and Luce used they, them when they were talking to Gamia yeah. about the collector. So and also like Dana had established that before that episode even aired, so it's like he said that too. So yeah, yeah. it's confirmed in both show and out. But it's not like anybody being like it's not the collector being like I use they I use he they be respectful, yeah. damn it. No, absolutely. I'm just I'm I'm establishing that up front, so yeah. there's no confusion as to why I'm going back and forth. <laughs> but yeah. Um, so now that everything is done, the Collector asks King how to play the Owl House game, which, if you'll recall, is the game that King promised to teach him back during King's Tide. And they say that, uh, you know, they have to calm stuff down, because to play the game, you, quote, play roles and have adventures. Hmm. But with everyone panicking, it, it just won't work, so we, we just gotta chill this out. But as King is explaining this, uh, Lilith appears, flying via the use of the Hootycopter, and I don't really know where her palisman is or why she's not using it. Maybe yeah. I'm forgetting something. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I thought of that too, but also, like, the palisman just overall in the entire show just come and go as they kind of please, it seems mm-hmm. like. I mean, again, they're just, they function similar to, like, familiars in D&D where you can just, like, send them off into, like, uh, whatever void or whatever and then call them back when you need them. But yeah, it, oh. it is. It does. It still does very much like stand out of like where, where is her weird looking bird? <laughs> yep. Like, well, I mean, cause... she has she has a weird looking bird, but not the weird looking bird we're talking about. <laughs> yeah. The thing is, though, it's like. So the next thing she does is she's got Hootie spinning around really fast to help her fly, and they yell to let King go and charge him. 
but I don't know why she's doing this, because she can't cast magic without her talisman anymore. She got the curse. So without her talisman, she effectively has no combat capability. She's not maneuverable in the air. She's just running headlong at a being yeah, that is shooting she, meteors at her. She, she also doesn't, like, she doesn't have context for the Collector necessarily. Like, not even Ida does. Like, That's true, but I don't think you need context for the Collector when he's just constantly got an area true. of effect yeah. meteor swarm going. I mean, also true, yes. But, I mean, you could you could bring up why people do some, like, questionable decisions when it comes to fighting later on as well when Basha summons her staff but doesn't use it at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, she's holding her staff, and then it's like she just grabs Abney's arms later on, and it's like, you're not even, like, trying to, like, get her in a headlock with the staff or use the yeah. staff to fly or use magic. You're just holding it. <laughs> Which is loosening your grip on her entirely. So, who knows? <laughs> yeah, I don't... I, I guess the point that I'm trying to make here is that Lilith seems pretty upset by the Collector and seems like she wants to enact violence upon them and does not bring her combat capabilities to bear. And no, I don't but, understand but she, why. But she does have the most powerful being on the Boiling Isles with her, to be fair. I'm not sure that's true, because what happens is we they never, charge in. We, and... never, we don't get to see Hootie fight the Collector nor Bellows. Therefore, the headcanon that Hootie is most powerful being on the Boiling Isles is still intact in my head. Hootie gets one hit KO'd. We see that very clearly. Yeah, but, but that's because Hootie got hit with a range attack. He didn't get into melee. <laughs> Hootie, Hootie happened, he failed his con save. That's the problem. <laughs> Hootie is proficient in strength and dex. He has like a weird class made for himself where he gets uh, <laughs> those two. I don't think any class has that. But maybe, does no, Ranger doesn't get those two, I don't think. But it's like, yeah, no, Hootie doesn't have any con saves. He's, he's a powerful being, but he, does, he doesn't have the greatest con. I mean, I guess that's fair, but the point remains, if you can take him out of the fight that easy, he's not the most powerful being Everybody the rolls on that one every so often. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, see, we're we crossing can make, the streams we, here. The D&D jokes is no, see, remember? No, I was, about, I was about to say, we can make D&D jokes in our last spell. <laughs> <sighs> but, um, we've done, we've yes. done that before. We've, d- we've equated Talisman as familiars before as well. <laughs> it's not just, it's, it didn't start with She-Ra. It's not going to end with She-Ra. <laughs> <sighs> well, if it goes into the series after She-Ra, it's going to be really confusing. I really kind of hope it doesn't. <laughs> Uh, but, fair. The the series that we're th- pretty much sure we're going to do next. Uh, yeah, d- it wouldn't, it wouldn't fit as much. I don't think. Yeah, that, that, that doesn't really map. No. <laughs> nah. No, we're going to have to. You know what? I'm not going to say it. I was going to say that we should start using a different system, but I'm not going to say which one because that would give too much away. <laughs> um. I'm trying to right. think of what system you might be referring to now. <laughs> So, uh, basically, Hootie and Lilith charge in, but the Collector just shoots these, like, blue beams at them, and but these it's, it's, turn it's them into toys. It's, it's, it's an actual, like, little, like, moon. Like, he throws a moon at them. Well, it's a moon when they throw it, but then it turns into a beam after it leaves their hand, so it's weird. Uh, I, 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 feel, I feel like that's just, like, the trail of it. Like, that's just the effect. It's, like, the moon itself, like, the little moon itself is what really sending them. Uh, okay, that makes sense based on that. Yeah, that tabletop system would work with that. <laughs> I've been playing I, myself, but I, yeah, it would. Yeah. Um. Oh, I should note, Hootie is a jack-in-the-box instead of a proper doll. That's 
I guess because of his strange nature. But <laughs> either way, once they're toyified, uh, he just vanishes them. And King does remind the Collector not to hurt anyone, and they agree, because after all, you know, everyone is safe in the new palace that has now been constructed and is floating over the head of the Titan like a creepy, evil magic crown on a super skull. But this is the only acknowledgement of the Collector's aesthetic being less than pastel and cheery, honestly. <laughs> we'll see some other things later that I guess could be argued, but the this palace is like imperial brutalist structures and everything else is just pale and happy (laughs) but on the ground uh ida sees stuff happening up there and this is just totally wordless the music is playing this is our credit sequence Uh, and she just shares a moment with rain and then goes harpy mode and uh she also charges the collector head on because i guess she didn't see what happened so (laughs) but hey at least they have rain sit up here to just establish rain ain't dead like a lot of people thought they did yeah that is true yeah yeah, also also rain is entirely smitten with harpy ida as most of the internet was (laughs) oh yeah i don't think they knew she could do that Well, I don't um, think it would have came up, necessarily, because, like, you don't really, like, reconnected with Rain in, like, the last couple days before yeah. Day of Unity, so I don't think they would have really had time. <laughs> also, Harpy Eda was not part of, like, the plan with foiling the draining spell, so I feel like no. it just didn't come up. Yeah, uh, basically, as soon as she takes off, just this huge wave of, like, blue glitter energy just flows across the boiling aisles. And we get a few shots on Pentagram of various folks reacting to it, and we see... I mean, it's basically nothing important. I, I don't love this. It kind of interrupts the flow of the scene, but I guess we see some shots of, like, Skara reacting to stuff. So, cool, I guess. And... <laughs> it's, it's set up for later on in the episode, but yeah, it's, it's a little, uh... I don't, yeah. don't want to say it doesn't fit here. It's just, This intro sequence is just, like, not as interesting as the intro sequence from Thanks to Them, I would just say. Yeah. Because, like, not only is it way shorter, but it's also, like, it... To be fair, it doesn't, like, establish as much of, like, how fucked up the Boiling Alice would be, but also at the same time, it's kind of something that the audience shouldn't know until Luce and the others see anyway. Yeah, like, I understand that these shots on the Penstagram do set up that encounter later, but yeah. I really don't feel like that's needed. I, I think it hits harder if we don't have any clue that they're out there still, you know? Yeah, kind of deal. But yeah, you're absolutely right about this sequence being weirder. And I think that's at least partly just because they're they're basically picking up the pieces here. They're not showing us new stuff. They're We already knew they all lost. We're just seeing how. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So... Anyway, yeah, uh, so Ida's getting close to the Collector, but she starts to lose control because the L-Beast is reacting to seeing the Collector again, and right as she reaches them, it takes control, just in time for him to essentially reach out a hand and ask if she wants to play. And that's our credit sequence. So, we cut to Luz, just kind of floating in the goo. I love floating in the goo. It's great. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I just wanted to quickly mention with that, because like, I remember like bringing that up. Here. It's like, wait, why would the Owlbees take over again? Because it hadn't really happened. But then, yeah, you had brought up, it's like, yeah, well, the Collector's the one that turned them into a curse. And they were yeah. stuck that way for like something like a thousand years, roughly, at the least. Because like, that, yeah. that was the last time the Collector was free, because we know it's the same person. So it's like, yeah, of course, like, the Owl Beast would freak the fuck out when it would go and realize, oh, fuck, wait, that's the same person, shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
because I mean the MLBs hasn't taken over either at all since. Um, yeah, since they made that deal. <laughs> I, it wasn't even the same episode. It didn't happen in that episode. Like she, she like uh, she went got put to sleep by Hootie and like had those vivid dreams of the dealing with the Applebee's, but she wasn't taken over by it. Well, yeah, that's I, true. Uh, I'm trying to really remember the last time that she was it way back in season one. Oh no, no, it was in uh, Keeping Up Appearances when she and, ah, uh, yes. when yeah when uh, Raven Lilith showed up and they were fighting each other. Right, that was the last <laughs> time I think that Ida had fully been taken over by the Applebee's. <laughs> yeah, God, that was a while ago. <laughs> sure was. It's weird to think that that was the first half of season two. That was like 2001? <laughs> not, not, not 2001. Uh, 2021? Yeah, right? no, that's, that's a very different number. <laughs> uh, I, I want to just make sure. Is that when Keeping Up Appearances aired? Yeah, uh, July 3rd, 2021. Jesus Christ. <laughs> How has that already mm. been two and a, a year and a half already? Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> I, mean, I guess I guess it was December of that year when we decided to start going on this. <laughs> it just yeah, yes, like indeed. It's that long. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. So, Luce is in the in-between place again, and uh, she wakes up and stands up just long enough to see somebody who, I mean, they're kind of shaped like a, a troll, like one of the DreamWorks trolls, the Jewel trolls, whatever you want to call them, except they've got bat wings. And they're just yeah, a silhouette. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I did try to zoom in on this person to see if there was any other hints as to who this might be, but there really isn't just enough to go on, because, like, the wings kind of look like they might be a bit tattered or made of, like, some, like, like maybe, like, a bit like the bellows scoop or something, but they're not mm -hmm. dripping all over the place like bellows is all the time now. So I it's, they might do just have a theory of what this mm -hmm. might be, but I do want to save that for later because the okay. relevant information comes up. But yeah, yeah, because like because <laughs> also zooming in, you can see that they have like either point like kind of like pointy hair, like kind of like mm -hmm. anime hair in a sense that's sticking upright, or it could be horns. But yeah, it's like a little it's a little bit hard to go based on because like we do hear them a little bit, but it's really just them panting. Yeah, they're and, breathing like, hard at, for some yeah, reason, and then like waving at loose, trying to get her attention. So like we don't have any like credit for them anyway to be able to potentially give any hints <laughs> yes. yeah but yeah I, I have at least like two ideas written down but i can bring that up when we get to yours just for that later okay on. yeah fair enough yep. mm -hmm. um yeah so Bruce basically sees this person and waves back and then just falls through the floor Oh, I guess I should say this silhouette person is walking upside down on the yeah, ceiling yeah, slash yeah. roof slash sky, the whatever you want to call slash the top floor. The... Because technically, Luce <laughs> could also be on the ceiling because of the way yeah. the train works. <laughs> but yes, um, so she falls through the liquid and she's back in the boiling aisles. And apparently, no one else went to the in-between place because Amity says that Luce was so far behind them that they just kind of thought they got she got stuck on Earth. So there you go. Um, it's also worthwhile. She didn't like fall through. Amity actually like reached in and pulled her. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I kind of wonder if maybe the reason she went there is just because she's the only one who's been there before, so she's more connected that, to that realm. That's but... kind of how I read it. Yeah. It's like I read, I read that, or whoever that person is, like yeah. brought her there temporarily, because like they like were because like people have a bunch of theories about like the voice you could hear in the in between realm from yesterday's lie. Because it was saying, like, uh, whispered words and stuff that you can, like, barely make out as, like, hints at times. Yeah. But, yeah, pe people are, like, pre like I think would, like, be like, yeah, it's probably the same person. We're not really sure. 
<laughs> and also it could be like it was just like the in-between realm just being weird and giving like echoes of both the human and demon realms but this person probably got alerted to loose at that time but just didn't get to her in time to talk yeah. to her uh, yeah um so loose asks the others if there's been any sign of him but doesn't specify which him she's talking about because there are two super powerful bad guys on the island you know but uh clearly th but they understand her to be talking about bellows and She's kind of messed up about it, but Hunter just gets mad because, you know, he's not one of the good neighbors. You can talk about him. He's not just going to show up. Yeah. Hunter is in a really, really terrible mood on account of what happened to Flapjack, like, three minutes ago. Yeah, 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 you remember that it's like, yeah, it's been three months for us, but also, yeah, that was like three minutes ago for him. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, instead of being sad about it, he is just mad. This is very out of character for him. He's usually the sad boy. So, um. <laughs> I, I, I read that also as, like, this Hunter is just very confused of his own emotions because he hasn't been able to really have emotions necessarily yeah. during however long between when he, as we'll see later on, popped out of the ground between now and then. <laughs> uh, yeah. That whole scene is so fucking weird and creepy. Yeah. <laughs> uh. uh. Yeah, since there's no sign of Bellows, they decide to take off into the woods, and Willow is delighted to be back in the Boiling Isles and see the red grass again, and Gus creates a little illusion of it welcoming her home, and Hunter's sort of watching this longingly at first, but then a bird tweets and he freaks out, freaks out again, and insists that they don't have time for grass or illusions, so... You know, and meanwhile, I, I, I should quickly divert here just for a sec here. While I was on my drive to work, I just saw for the first time somehow after like two weeks that one of my neighbors like three or four houses down actually has like one of those like, uh, you know, like those like designer flags. It's not like a, like a state flag or American flag mm -hmm. or whatever that just you can put in front of your house. They have one that's a fucking cardinal. And I saw that. I was like, no, how did I know <laughs> that they were doing this episode? <laughs> it's still very much about Flapjack. <laughs> God damn yeah, it. yeah. <laughs> the, the fucking uh, Spider-Man Two. Everywhere I go, I see his face thing. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't help that I have the flatjack plushie. He's up there in like a little plushie net with my plushie above my door. <laughs> I can see it from here. <laughs> yeah. So he he freaks out and walks off and. Bellow tries to reassure Gus a little and tells him that things will be fine once Bellows is dealt with and Hunter is just having difficulty processing his emotions. And Gus is... Here this is the first time someone acknowledges how much emotional effort Willow puts into taking care of everyone and she just brushes it off like it's nothing. So, <laughs> uh, At this point, Willow conjures a bunch of vines and surfs off on them somehow, despite that not really being how vines work. And I guess Amity just finds a puddle of abomination goo on the ground somehow. I don't know what's up with that. I mean, the abomination goo is, like, established to be, like, a thing on the Boiling Isles. Like, when she used a little bit of, like, abomination magic in the fight against Bellos, it was, like, green and slimy. Because it was probably just, like, sludge from, like, the, the lake or whatever instead. So it's like, yeah, she's like, hey, I finally have my proper sludge again. Well, <laughs> nice purple I mean... sludge. To my understanding, based on what we saw in Teenage Abomination, I think if you want it to be like good abomination goo, you have to mix it yourself. You can't just pick up crap off the ground. Oh, uh, yeah, true. But also, for for it, the show's defense, that could just also be early installment weirdness again of like, well, that's episode three. They didn't know if they want, what they wanted to do necessarily. 
I mean, that was, like, very much, like, more like they were, like, creating life from nothing compared to just, like, yeah, just, like, draw a circle and you can just make a big golem thing. <laughs> yeah, so she just starts flying it around and playing with it basically like a fidget toy. And Camila comments on just how much they were holding back when they were on Earth. And I don't know if I super agree with that, given some of the stuff we saw that they did while they were in her house, but sure. Um <laughs> Uh, I, I feel like just in comparison, like aside from the fight with Bellows, they were probably intentionally holding back since they didn't like alert humans of magic. <laughs> Day one, hour one, Willow brought a vine through the bottom floor of the house. Shh, don't worry the top... about it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Into the top floor of the house to murder an alarm clock. Yeah, but she that was just, the that entire was, like, house. That was one little vine. That wasn't her making the vines to fucking surf on them across the ground like she is now. Again, she stabbed a house. <laughs> yeah, don't worry about it. I'm also, like him, I mean, like Gus and his illusions, about, huh? Yeah, like Camille said, she'll worry about that later. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so she starts to comment on how beautiful the isles are, just wandering through this forest, but then they crest a ridge and see the newly remodeled boiling isles. Um, the titan's skull is split in twain, and everything else is, like, pastel and glittery, and Camille reacts as though the titan's skull might still be alive, but uh, it is a skull that has been split in half, and I just... Yeah, but she's also heard tales about uh, one of Lucy's best friends being a little skull puppy. <laughs> yes, but she's also heard about life in the Boiling Isles and knows that the Titans are the good guys. Eh, I guess. I don't know. Besides, she's a veterinarian. She should know that having your skull split in half kills you. Um... <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you, you can... Yeah, look, it's magic. You can get better from that. Don't worry about it. <laughs> uh... You also skipped over the fact that, like, while Amity's playing with the goop, Luce definitely just has, like, a I'm so gay for my girlfriend look on her face. <laughs> just looking at her. <laughs> yeah, so the kids do point out that the bones and stuff is normal, and she tries to spin it, talking about how nice this must be for Luce's taxidermy, but Luce just calls her out for only pretending to like the aisles, and while she tries to talk around this a little, Luz just interrupts her and says she hasn't changed her mind, because after they save the others, she's going back to the human realm forever, the end. And, yeah. So deep in the woods, uh, we see a rapidly disintegrating Goo Bellows, who's just kind of schlorping around. And... <laughs> I don't know if for some reason you described him as slurping around just when you laugh. <laughs> I mean, the man is literally falling apart. Like, he has a leg break off. Yeah, With yeah. the bone visible. <laughs> uh, and uh, then he hallucinates his brother Caleb standing in front of a tree. And he gets super mad and says that he tried to save his soul and tries to murder him again, like you do, when you've already murdered your brother 40-something times. And uh, then he just wanders off in search of a new body. Uh, I, I gotta ask, is this actually the first time that they show blood in the show? Because, like, they show, like, the knife that he used to murder Caleb hovering over him, and it's definitely bloody. Like, um, I'm, I'm trying to I'm, remember if it was, like... I think we might have seen, like, a, like col coloration on the knife in the portraits and Hollow Mind mm -hmm. that implied it was blood, but I feel like this is, like, the first time they've directly shown blood in the show, right? I, like, I think there might have been some cuts and scrapes along the way, but well, yeah, not... But like, th those yeah. are, all just, are more just, like, like the usual, like, oh, it's just, like, a like little, like, outline of, like, faint red or something on a character's forehead or whatever, like, when Luce got yeah. her scar on her eyebrow. But, like, that's, like, just straight-up blood-blood on the knife there. Yeah. 
Yeah, I don't remember it necessarily there being blood in this, you know, like that overt in the show before, so I feel like this might be the first time. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we cut back to the, uh, the... I don't know what to call them. They don't have a group name. The, the overly powerful children. And they arrive at the Owl House that, to find it graffitied the, and abandoned. The, the, fan, the fan name for them is usually the Hex Squad. Yeah, but Camila's there now. Yeah, but she's on there, I remember. She's, a, she's tall loose, as one of the students in Hexside will call her. <laughs> this, this, I, I definitely heard that. It's like, why would these kids not immediately realize, oh, taller human that looks like loose, obviously loose's mom. Why do they say, who's tall loose? <laughs> well, all their parents got... You know what happened to their parents. Yeah, but so also they haven't, they've never seen another human besides loose. I mean, technically they've seen Bellas, but they don't know that necessarily. They're human. Listen, it's just logical deduction. If what happened to the parents happened to the parents, this cannot be apparent. Therefore... It's tall. <laughs> uh, 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 Tarlow loose theory confirmed. Lose. But... Right, I forgot that you had yeah. told me once before that Luke with two youths was a thing. Uh-huh, yeah. yeah. Right. Was the God evil clone of Luke that uh, had two youths. Fuck Star Wars. <laughs> and Luke with three youths was kind of a thing, but that was semi-a-joke, so... It's... Yes. <laughs> yes, so... Um, the others arrive at Dale House to find it all graffitied up and abandoned, and the inside is almost bare from when the coven raided it a few episodes ago, but they left the refrigerator behind for some reason, so there's an appliance. Oh, and one chair. A refrigerator, one chair, and a dead rat. <laughs> and I had partially bitten apple. Don't know where they get regular apples from. We've, we talked at length about the food <laughs> inconsistency with the apple house before. Yeah. But maybe it's a weird demon apple, and that's weird. But no, they, they've established the apple blood. It's like you get that from an apple blood butcher. So mm -hmm. the, apple, the, apple, the apples on the boiling owls that we think of that apple blood is from must be actual creatures. Maybe. So maybe. <laughs> maybe he um, uh, decapitated one of her mouth and just left the carcass in there. It doesn't <laughs> for some reason. Yeah. Now, Camila is pretty understandably unimpressed by this place, though she doesn't seem to acknowledge the fact that clearly it's been cleaned out. She acts like this is how they were living in it all this time. And yeah, a little bit of weird oversight, where it's like, obviously, this would actually be like a home, and it's obviously been raided. Yeah. Also, there ain't no owl about this owl house at the moment. This is true. And, yeah, so... The others kind of step away, and while they do, uh, she asks for help from Willow and Gus. Because uh, she, she tells them that Luce is going to make a bad decision, but she doesn't really know how to help, because Luce is just so determined to make herself sad. And Gus tells a story about failing a school project, and thinking he deserved to be punished, and running off to live in a cave. Because someone is stealing stories from our one-shot that is Ben Akari, <laughs> thank you very much. <laughs> Uh, I knew you were listening to our podcast, Dana, but that doesn't give you the right to steal my backstory. <laughs> I didn't even catch that part. I, I remember him saying that he went to go live in a cave. I did not put the connection together between that and the character from the one shot. 
<sighs> but your character just lived in the cave because cause they wanted to, not because That's they, true, yes. They, they knew they were failing all the stuff. <laughs> they didn't give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Uh. <laughs> uh. Yes, um... So Willow tracked him down in his cave and told him it was okay to fail because she does it all the time, and as an object lesson, she possibly deliberately unchained her abomination and it got out and started exploding and stuff. I did not get the sense that she and Gus were especially close before they met Luz, but I guess they were, so what uh, do you they know? Sep- they established that back in uh, the beginning of Labyrinth Runners, when like Willow was the one that... Or- Wait, what, yeah, Willow was the one that, like, comforted Gus when he was being taken advantage of by the older students for doing, like, the group project himself. I guess, but even then, they didn't feel, like, close to me. It just felt like she was commiserating I with mean, another they, person they, in the same they're, situation. They're also, like, the only friends that each ever have before Luce shows up, like, not including Amity from when Willow was way younger. Because, like, when we, like, meet them at first in episode three, it's like they're only, like, hanging out with each other and nobody else. I guess, but I mean, in 3, I got the impression that she was going to Gus more because he was a human expert than because she liked him. Eh, I guess that's fair as well, yeah. Uh, but, like, yeah. I don't know. I guess it's just because we always see them together, like, at times, even with or without Luce. I was just like, oh, okay, then, yeah, they've been friends for a while, and, like, Labyrinth Runners established that. Because, like, they've at least been friends for at least a year or two. Cause, like, I guess, yeah. We don't necessarily know what age they were back then, but it definitely seemed like that they were at least, like, two years younger roughly, so mm-hmm. I guess it was, like, maybe closer to 10 and Willow was 12. I guess, but, yeah. It, it just feels a little revisionist history, that's all. <laughs> I mean, um, every show has that. Like, we've established multiple times the show has just thrown some shit out before. Like, we're gonna get, <laughs> like, we're gonna get to their closer here, like, when, uh, Amity brings up the Bat Queen, and it's like, hey, remember the Bat Queen plotline? Guess that's just not gonna happen anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pity, because, like, it's like, oh, yeah, what happened to the giant? I guess we're just not gonna address that and finish that off. That's a bummer. Well, I mean, that's not revisionist history, that's just questions Didn't, not being yeah, answered. Yeah, I guess, that's... That's just, that just didn't have enough time, I guess. Now, if they were like, oh, remember that time the Bat Queen did this, this, and this? That's how we win. That would yeah. be... Yeah, <laughs> I mean, to, to be fair, again, like, the Bat Queen has only shown up, like, one other time since, necessarily. Like, she showed up in, like, those two episodes early on in season one <laughs> that established, like, the second one establishing her backstory, and then she showed up again to do Palisman Adoption Day, and that was it. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, um, pretty, pretty minor character overall. Just... Based on her design and like how she like shows up for to drop a lot of Palisman lore at those two times, it's like that felt like that was gonna be larger, I guess. Yeah, well, it still could be. Yeah, who knows? They only got like forty-two minutes though, so probably not. Uh, new theory: the mysterious silhouette is the giant that the Bat Queen lost. <laughs> <laughs> I, hey, it's as valid as any other theory. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, so, uh, uh, anyway, the, the whole point of that story was that Gus's dad didn't actually care if he failed. Gus was just afraid of failing him. So, uh, yeah, outside, Hunter kind of has an emotional outburst, because apparently the other palismans are just following him around while he paces, and he's mad about that. And he's also mad that everyone is just sitting here and not looking for Bellows, because, again, basically no time has passed. So, Gus heads out to check on him and camila takes a moment to check in on willow because you know being the reliable one isn't easy and she reminds willow that it's okay for her to be scared and it's not good to hold in all your emotions and you are still a teenager it's cool but yeah you are still only literally 14 years old willow 
<laughs> you don't have to act like an adult here at the moment. You have an adult to do that. Willow insists she's fine, and she definitely is not. You can tell because where she walks, she's splitting the floor of the owl house with vines. Yep. It was also just like, at, for some reason when I saw Clover and Emmeline following Hunter, and Emmeline is Gus's Bowsman's name, I don't think we ever said that on the, on the show, but it's established. I think we've said it a couple times, but Maybe, we always have to look it up because we can never yeah, remember Yeah, it. no, I had to remember it too because it was like, it's a long name, but Emmeline is like the short version, but it's like, just seeing them follow Hunter reminded me just how Bowsman designs are kind of just all over the place in a way. Because like, oh, yeah. you, like, <laughs> you have like regular animals, like Albert is just a tiny owl, and Mm -hmm. Ghost is just a cat, but like Clover and Emmeline are, you know, admittedly they are like kind of regular bee and regular chameleon, but like Emmeline is bright blue, which I guess some chameleons can be. But they are like large size for a bee and a chameleon, I would say. And like they also seem like they're just like more cartoony designs. And we've seen a bunch of pals when there are like hybrids of like animals and stuff, like a, like a monkey with two heads and whatever. So it's like, it kind of just feels like the demon realm can just be like i just decided to make whatever the fuck is my palisman just yeah. whatever and had fun with it and it's just fine <laughs> I don't know. it's just i didn't really notice it up till then where even though we've seen clover and emmeline and ghost together between that time beforehand it just kind of struck me here <laughs> and they also yeah. read like i read hunter just being annoyed that they're following him because it's like yeah like bells can be anywhere and he eats palisman you should definitely not be hanging out with me when i have no magic <laughs> I could be wrong. I kind of got the feeling that Clover was based on a bee fly, so I, I thought that that was more leaning towards a cartoonish giant insect. So I didn't even know bee flies were a thing. Yeah, it's the uh, it's the animal that the Pokemon Rabambi is based on. If you're familiar. Oh, okay. Yeah, I guess that tracks. Like I'm looking at a picture of Clover, and Clover does have like the long like. Uh... Cause like I guess I always thought that Clover just had an extra stinger on her face, but I guess that is like the proboscis that bee flies have. Yeah, I guess that tracks. <laughs> but yeah, um, so I, I, they're I guess they're just following him around and bothering him for no real reason. But uh, upstairs, Amity wanders into Ida's room where Luz is lying in Ida's nest, cuddling Eggy. I guess the people who raided the house did not bother taking apart the nest, and I don't yeah, know I why. Noticed, I noticed that too. You would think that they would ever destroy it or take it with them since they took everything else, but that's at like, the same time, I guess maybe it's just hard to take this apart even though they have literal magic. Because like, well, I was about to say, like maybe they didn't take the fridge because the fridge is heavy, but they have magic. They do have magic. <laughs> they could just levitate uh, it out, just like Ida's nest. Maybe Ida's nest doesn't really... Maybe it's something she had to build in there and it just doesn't fit through the door well and they were just like, it's just, it just would be too much work to just tear us apart, so whatever. Well, I mean, it is just a pile of sticks and junk. They could rip it apart, no problem. Maybe. But my assumption is that they didn't think it was valuable enough to take because it's just a pile of sticks and junk. Yeah. But also, like, those walls are about two foot high. That is prime hiding spot for valuable shinies. Yeah. <laughs> but... Either way, uh, Luz is laying in this nest because she thought maybe being in a nest would help Eggie hatch. <laughs> She's not had a good few months. <laughs> no, really not. Uh, Amity reminds her that, according to the Bat Queen, in order to forge a bond with your palisman, you have to, quote, express your deepest wish. And I have to call Bull. Not a single one of these kids have done that properly. Like... Uh yeah, that, not to the level that they're describing here, and as we'll see, spoilers at the end of the episode, because, like, Willow basically just said she wanted to, like, 
like I forget like I think it was like defend her friends and beat the shit out of her enemies and like Gus mm-hmm. just wanted to establish like connections to the human realm and then Clover mm-hmm. and Elohim join them and like Hunter didn't necessarily really do that with Flapjack. Flapjack no, he did. Flapjack him. just picked him. <laughs> well, I, I, I mean, in that case, I think it's more like Flapjack really had a connection to him because he is just, like, again, like yeah. the, like, 30-something reincarnation of Caleb. <laughs> and well, it's that's... like, oh, like, Caleb already did one with him before, I guess, and it's like, it just kind of carries over. I guess that might be true, but... Yeah, like... <laughs> when the others did it it was just very generic like what do you want to do when you grow up goals and for loose and amity apparently it has to be bare your soul yeah like basha was just like i want to play professional grudge me it's like all right here's a crab Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) i don't know why i was able to remember that crab's name is maya i have maya's name in my notes when (laughs) basha summons her i don't know how i just remembered that considering that basha has not really mattered since like winged like witches (laughs) (laughs) She matters in this episode, at least, later on. <laughs> well, yeah, so... You know, Luz asks for the first time how Amity got Ghost, and Amity does not tell her how she got Ghost. No, we still don't know if Ghost was, like, a thing that, like, she had to make herself or was given to her by her parents or whatever. Well, what she says is that the staff was handed to her. So, presumably she didn't carve Ghost herself, but we don't know... Like, if it was custom carved for her, or if it's a family heirloom, we, we don't know anything. Yeah, we don't know if Ghost is, like, uh, just, they like, oh, pass it down throughout the family kind of situation. Yeah, that's very there's possible. There's so many, I mean, because there's so many adults, and even her own siblings, who we have never seen with Palsman, so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we fucking knows. And, I mean, they are a rich family. The other possibility is that Odalia just commissioned a crafter to do it for her. Yeah. But... Either way, uh, Amity tells a little story about how she bonded with ghosts, and uh, apparently she was just handed basically an inert staff and just tried saying things she wanted to be, like, an author or a good witch, but this did not work at all. And it was only when she admitted that she didn't know what she wanted, as long as, but she wanted to be able to choose her own path, and that's how Ghost reacted. So, that's a lot more introspective, I'm just saying. But... Yeah, for a 14-year-old to be like, I have no fucking idea. Yeah. <laughs> that said, though, this kind of, t- like, Eggy could have just hatched all along, you know? Mm-hmm. All Luz had to do was talk to her friends. All she had to do was some basic self-examination, a little bit of introspection, and she spent the whole summer messing around with heat lamps. I <laughs> mean... <laughs> <laughs> or going on multiple trips with her friends. When they could have mm-hmm. also been working on the door. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that I feel like that's thrown in there as, like, yeah, y- y'all wanted to see, like, uh, like happy-go-lucky, like, human realm, like, uh, dates and stuff like that, so we'll give you some breadcrumbs here that that happens. Even if y'all don't get to see it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so she kind of curls around Eggy and says that she wants to be a witch and help her friends, and then immediately she says that she always messes that up, thereby invalidating the statement, because things are just way too complicated. And Amity produces a bad family photo that she found of Ida, Luz, King, and Hootie. It was just <laughs> wait, lying in the what hall. What are you talking about? Their, their sweaters are great. <laughs> oh, that's a genre. A bad family photo isn't a descriptor. Oh, it's yeah, like... no, I know. Yeah, no. <laughs> I know, but I also I laughed at it because it's just a goofy picture. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for some reason they put hoodie and glasses in a bow tie. Um, 
<laughs> you wanted to be dapper. Hmm, has Hootie been nearsighted this whole time? Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, seeing this picture really reminds Luce why they're here, and she promises to find Ida and King no matter how long it takes, because I get it, she doesn't care about Hootie. Um, <laughs> or Lilith, I guess. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Fuck off, to... Albert, I guess. You don't count either. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we don't know where Albert is either anyway. Nor Lilith's weird monkey bird. <laughs> this is true. But just as she says this, Hunter calls out that Ida and King flew by. They were on a shooting star. So the squad give chase on their palisman staffs, and I guess they just never mentioned to Camila that they could fly because... She saw them fly been... <laughs> literally like a half hour ago when they were fighting Bellos. Uh-huh, yeah. I, I guess the implication is that they never offered to give her a ride at all to show her around or anything. I guess. But yeah, um, Luz does ride with Gus on this because I guess she's the only one who can keep up with his standing surfing kind of flying. Well, I mean, the, uh, I guess... Well, I guess actually probably Hunter probably could, but it might just have been, like, weird, I guess, if Hunter had to stand up. He's probably just, like, in too much of a mood to necessarily like, <laughs> try to keep that balance or whatever. And yeah. Camilla definitely was not going to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, they arrive in Bonesboro, which is abandoned and desolate and kind of messed up. There's just graffiti everywhere, which I guess is the indication for this series that things are bad is that there's graffiti but i don't know I don't... At, least, at least a lot of the graffiti is like telling the emperor's coven to fuck off and like telling bellows to fuck off like like most of it is just more like that i mean that's true but i just feel like in a collector scenario i would not waste my time graffitiing things like there is no titan yeah it, it's like it's like all like seeing like all the safe rooms in left for dead where it's all those people just like writing nonsense like the one person that write that wrote like we're the real monsters and then other people being like no fuck you you're the like i'm not the monster they're they're the monsters are the ones that are out there trying to eat people i'm not a monster <laughs> well even then that's like those are safe rooms right you've got some time you're True. okay but yeah, this is this just is... out in the wild where the yeah. collector or their spies could get you at any moment true <laughs> if this were passing on some sort of valuable information i'd get it if it were a coded message i'd get it but this is just graffiti for the yeah. sake of some, some of the messages are like keep away or help and stuff like that so it's like those are actually at least useful i guess yeah but yeah so they don't really have time to look around but the town is just abandoned there this group is the only people here and then there's just a wave of sparkles and the town is refreshed it's all pastel and sparkly and soft edges and filled with those wooden puppet people, including Willow's dad. And after a moment, they all begin running around and screaming when the Owl Beast appears and starts just sort of generally menacing the town. But in an enormous blue pillar of light, the Collector shows up to save the day, and King is here also, now dressed in the same kind of costume as the Collector, yeah, but his, sized for him. Yeah, his little, like, Collector jammies are cute. <laughs> Yeah, it's weird, isn't it, that uh, hanging out with another child is the only way that they could get him to start wearing pants. Um. <laughs> hey, at least he doesn't look weirdly nude because he hasn't had his collar up until then. Again, as I pointed out earlier uh, when we did King's Tie, when he took his collar off, he seemed weirdly naked, even though it's like he's just a little furry dog creature. Yeah. <laughs> like he's, he's had no pants on this entire time. He just looked weirdly naked without his collar, but at least he has a robe on. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And so the Collector shows up and activates a quote-unquote light glyph to stop the L Beast. 
At which point, uh, Terra Snapdragon crawls out of this beast suit. She is dressed like Ida and just kind of half-heartedly role-playing her. Uh, this is... I don't know. It's fine, I guess. I just feel like... This is not enough to keep a child entertained. No. Like, I have a note written down here of, like... Terra really just has this coming because you think after, like, roughly, like, two months of the Collector just doing whatever the fuck they want, that she would know better to not talk back to him. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, this temperamental godchild. It's like, you probably shouldn't, like, just be like, yeah, I've had enough of your shit. Let's just get on with it. <laughs> yeah, that's that's not exactly what I meant, but, like... So while I was in Texas, I got to play with my semi-niece a little bit, mm-hmm. and I was playing with her for about, I want to say, like, maybe an hour, hour and a half. And in that time, we ran through, I want to say, about 50 different scenarios because she just kept rebuilding the situation from zero over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. And in this case, the collector just shows up, does a light glyph, and that's the game, the end. (laughs) That's that's not enough to keep a child entertained for two months. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, they do say they've been playing pretend forever, so... I guess. <laughs> I guess it has been at least keeping them entertained up till now. Yeah, so... Terra is basically just half-heartedly going through the motions, saying things like, Oh no, I need my apple blood, where is it? And that sort of thing. <laughs> and the Collector is just not happy at all with her performance, because she doesn't sound like Ida. And then she's just weirdly dismissive about the Collector, considering... Like, she's been doing this to avoid puppification. She knows that that's going to happen. It's been on the table for two months. (laughs) Yeah. Like I said, it's always been in the back of her mind of, like, you should know not to, like, bother this kid and just, like, humor him. But no. But, yeah, it's just... They had to see someone get puppetified to know that that was happening, but it's weird for her. So, yeah, um... She she gets puppetified because the collector is not happy with her. And, and that uh, thing was lost. King really cares about Terra. Yep. I don't know why she was chosen to stick around anyway. It's not like probably, she's exactly just, agreeable. Probably just because like she's at least the closest that they would have necessarily of like a slightly older woman with like gray like gray white hair, I guess. But she doesn't. She's wearing another demon on her yeah. head to look like... <laughs> oh, I didn't even notice that. <laughs> yeah, she's got like a hedgehog demon on her head to imitate Edith's hair. Uh, maybe she was just like the la- one of the last people they captured. And she was like, oh, I'll do whatever. I'll pretend to be the owl lady. So pretend, <laughs> I guess. I guess. Like maybe everybody else really like puppeted and the collector just didn't want to unpuppet a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, so... To your earlier point with the Collector, like, thinking that the Collector wouldn't be entertained with this, the Collector has, to be fair, been trapped for, like, a thousand years. So I feel like the Collector would take whatever the fuck they can get once they get out. (laughs) Uh, I mean, that's true, but again, like, I I just don't feel like that's how kids operate. I mean, When you go to the trouble of setting up an elaborate fantasy scenario, you want it to last more than three or four lines... Yeah. Or you want to do it a bunch of different times in different ways. I don't know. A lot of my students in Japan always wanted to play with the Legos or talk about dinosaurs every day. (laughs) So. Listen, when you have spent (laughs) two hours on the adventures of Evil Cinderella and Good Cinderella who want to give Bluey rides, and Bluey has to figure out which one is the good one because the evil (laughs) one will shake him to death. (laughs) 
Just, just to establish this is Bluey the dog, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. I've heard good things about Bluey. I just, it seemed like it's just a bit too young for me to watch. I'm sorry, Bluey uses she, her. I misgendered her there, my mistake. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, so. it, It's just not enough. That's all I'm saying. But, yeah, um, so... The collector does puppetify Terra and then just vanishes her. She gets sent back to wherever the puppets are, which they hear this point is the archive. Uh, we don't hear where the archive is, but we'll later see that it's in the palace, and people will just assume that, so there you go. <laughs> um, King tells the collector that he does have to stop doing that because hurting people has consequences even if you're pretending. Uh, a cranky witch taught him that. And now for one thing, this is not pretending. He's they're yeah. they're just straight up hurting people. Mm-hmm. But But this does get the collector thinking that maybe they need the real Ida, because after all she'd be the best at playing the role of Ida. And King tells him that this won't work because the curse is still keeping her out of the game. They're disappointed, but accept this and they fly off. No real indication as to why they don't fix the curse since they put it there in the first place but whatever yeah yeah i put i had that written down in my notes too of like the collector is like powerful enough to basically rewrite his uh, reality by literally moving the sun out of the way <laughs> or the moon whatever one it was it's like you would think that they could undo Edith's curse also again because they made the owl bees curse <laughs> yeah <laughs> I don't know, maybe they just haven't thought about that or maybe they're just like yeah that'd be work yeah <laughs> Yeah, so they fly off, and as they do, the puppets vanish in poofs of blue smoke, and in the meantime, Camilla has seen King and has immediately decided that he is her puppy son. It's maternal love at first sight. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a lot of, like, this episode just really establishes a lot that Camilla is just loose but older. <laughs> in some yeah, ways. for sure. <laughs> I mean, because, like, literally the first time that Luce saw King, he also had that similar reaction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The kids, for some reason, assume that Belos is trying to get back to the Collector, despite what happened last time they were in the same place. But also, they kind of figure out that the Collector is just playing games, specifically playing the role of Luz. They overheard during the scene that the puppets were stored in the archive, so they decide to head there next to try and find Ida. But they're interrupted because there's a bunch of kids on a nearby building, led by Mytholomule. The Resistance is here. I don't know why, because <laughs> if I were the resistance, I would not be anywhere near where the collector was. Yeah, maybe, I guess maybe like M- Maddie, Scara, and uh, our boy Barkus. Finally, they remembered Barkus exists. Like maybe, maybe they were just on like a scouting mission for supplies or something, and just happened to see. Yeah, uh, yeah. Barkus got cool now. Um. Yeah, he's got sunglasses. <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah, so. he doesn't say anything in this episode <laughs> he doesn't have his subtitled barks at all which he hasn't had since his very first appearance to be fair mm-hmm. <laughs> so the next scene is a little bit weird but we cut to bump setting up some sleeping bags in the hexside gym but the thing is this is a flashback to the day of unity it just does not establish that beforehand so it looks like we're just going to see bump yeah. uh, but yeah, um, so because Hunter was able to warn the school, Bump let a bunch of students and the teachers make a base at Hexside to start prepping, and we see folks, like, making improvised weapons and setting up supplies and such. But uh, the 
you know, the draining spell happened and that messed up the teachers pretty bad. And then that ended and pretty much immediately the collector's star spies showed up. And these are the other acknowledgement of the non-baby aesthetic because they're like, they are stars and they are the same sort of pastel blue and yellow. But these are sharp edges and they've got mean faces, so. Yeah. Yeah, so they show up, and the Grudgeby team just runs out and tries to take them on, but uh, everyone but Basha got turned into puppets. And uh, worse, the teachers tried to intervene to save them, but also got got. So <laughs> immediately so, the school is left without adult supervision. Yeah. So I have two things to point here. One, if all the adults were in there, why did Bump authorize three teenagers to go out to try to fight these things rather than immediately going out with the, with the other teachers oh, he to fight them off? They specifically well, say that the Grudgeby oh, yeah, team yeah, snuck out. out. Right, right. <laughs> and that's why I guess the adults had to be like, oh, fuck. And they uh -huh. got caught themselves. Okay, yep. second point. Why would all these kids' parents be okay with them just staying at the school? <laughs> <laughs> like, like basically these kids are like fugitives in the eyes of the Emperor's Coven. You would think that most of their parents would be like, okay, you are coming home. We are going into hiding. We are going over to like a friend's house or something to not be home where the Emperor's Coven knows we would be or whatever. They just are like, yeah, no, yeah, you could just stay at the school, I guess, for like a week between when that should happen and the day of unity, I guess. Well, I, I see where you're coming from, but hypothetically, Bump and the teachers should be like the best at magic outside of the coven heads. So if anyone were going to protect the kids being hunted by the coven, I would trust them, you know? Uh, they, yeah, I suppose. They're, they're kind of crappy people, but hypothetically, they should be really good at magic. <laughs> Yeah, well, they, they unfortunately don't seem like they get that. <laughs> yeah, no, they, they all get, get got within like half a yeah, second. Yeah, they kind of get super dunked on. <laughs> huh. To be fair, Bump did hit one of them with some abomination goop, but also it's backwards turn to him, so uh -huh. it, can, yep. it can predict that. <laughs> yeah, so back in the present, uh, our friends get led to New Hexside, which is run about as well as you could expect a school full of abandoned kids to go. Um, Mostly, this is just shots of chaos. We see folks, we see our folks walking through the halls and pure nonsense happening. But there is a, just a weird confirmation that one of the kindergartners is Warden Rath's kid. I don't know why we're getting that all of a sudden, oh, but no, there we, you go. We, we got that back in uh, through the Looking Glass ruins. Because, like, when they introduced uh, the bad kids from, uh, oh, not St. Epidurn, uh,. Glandis, uh, they're, like, saving, uh... Ah, oh, I forget the kid's name now. They're saving the kid, and then, like, uh, one ref runs up and is like, Sean, are you okay? He's like, yes, thanks, Dad. <laughs> hmm, I do yeah. not remember that, but okay. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's in that scene early on in the episode. It's, like, right before uh, when they... Braxis. When, yeah, Braxis, yeah, when they're introducing... Yeah, when they're, in, when they're introducing the Glandis kids, they save Braxis from, like, the, uh, Sliver Beast or whatever. And huh. then, like, one ref comes in and is like, oh, my son... <laughs> I will admit, I had forgotten that entirely, but either way, it, it yeah, feels that, like how, a weird that's, that's diversion to take That's here. how I remember when Braxis says, I'll save you, father, when he, like, decapitates that teddy bear. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He's <laughs> yeah, also wearing like, oh, a costume of his father. Yeah. That too. <laughs> and when I say costume, I mean, like, a beanie cap sewn to look like his dad's head. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's, he's, like, three. <laughs> but yeah, um... Basically, they, they are just passing through and they see these scenes and then they reach the central atrium where an enormous statue has been made in honor of Principal Bump who is skateboarding in the statue. Um, 
Yeah, I feel like Maddie made this with construction magic. That is almost certainly true, yes. Yeah. But by this point, they've started to attract attention from the other students because, you know, they're finally back. Viney's here and Eileen and most notably Ed and M. Ed is in a full body cast. Wow, but I, I'm su- hmm? sorry, I'm surprised you didn't remember that uh, Braxis is Werner Rath's kid, but you remembered Eileen's name because I super did not so you said Eileen. I was like, <laughs> oh right, she has the eyeball, that's why her name is Eileen. <laughs> right. Well yeah, that's I mean that's an easy one. <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> not that she's been much of a character ever. <laughs> well yeah, no, she doesn't talk, but <laughs> <sighs> she has no mouth. It's kind of hard to talk when you know it's mouth. Yeah. Um, and Ed is in a full body cast, and he insists on hugging Amity anyway, so I guess he's been working out because he just snaps the cast by pure muscle strength. And uh, apparently what happened is he was running from one of the collector spies, and he fell into a well full of rocks. Oh, so... he, he, he specifies that after uh, Amity and their dad left that he went to go bravely find them. Which again, <laughs> Edric, why did you just go with them? Why did Ed and them get cut from the end of the <laughs> fucking going with them at all? <laughs> I, obviously, I get they didn't want to have like more characters than like Luce and the Hex Squad being stuck in the human realm so Ed and them couldn't come along. But they could have like been like, oh, they stay with their dad to help like fight against the Abomatons <laughs> or something. Yeah. They could have done that. Instead, they're like, oh, yeah, he went to go try to find you by, I guess, walking. <laughs> what if they just disappeared? <laughs> Uh, well, no, that would actually be worse, because I, I don't think we're getting any more NNM through the rest of the show, but at least they show up in this episode. I am fully confident that we will get at least one more scene with them, but I don't know if they will talk. Yeah, maybe they'll just be in the background or something, or like hugging Amity or something. Yeah, because we need a family resolution scene at the end when it's all over. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but we, de- we definitely need at least like uh, the three of them and Alador hugging each other or something. Exactly, yeah. As- uh, yeah. Assuming Alador is uh, around at all, we don't know what happened to him. They don't. They don't. T- they don't talk about Alador at all in this episode, unlike nope. Willow's dead and Gus is dead. Oh yeah, um, I don't really know why he's still in the cast because Viney is here. I mean, she could slap some <laughs> yeah, healing glyphs yeah, on him. Yeah, this is the note that I had too. A lot of these kids are like so beat up and scratched up and stuff. They have healers like Viney and M here. Mm-hmm. You would think that they could at least do that to like deal with like minor scrapes and stuff, even if they're not strong enough or learned enough to yeah. like heal broken bones or whatever Edric happens. Like presumably someone who was in, in the healing track put him in that cast in the first place. So yeah. Well, maybe I they mean, were like, "Oh, we don't have enough. Like this is like too severe for healing magic to really work since we're students, but we can at least put you in the cast to stop it from getting worse." But like. All these kids are just like all beat the hell up, and it's like, why is why are they not trying to heal that at least? I don't remember when it was. It might have been during one of the Eda flashbacks, but there was one situation where there was someone with a broken arm, wrist, and they casted it, and then they put a healing coven glyph oh, on yeah, it, and that, that was that, what did that, the... that was that was Amity when she had her Amity, uh, yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah, when she had her broken ankle or whatever from the Grisby match. Yeah, that's it. So yeah, I just. Presumably, it doesn't take that much effort to draw a, a healing coven glyph. I don't know how those are made, but yeah, that's would... the thing. Like that, we never really get anything about those uh, power glyphs at all, because like we only ever see the healing one on the cast, and we see like the construction one that apparently lets you go super sane, and then never again since. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> again, probably an idea that they had that was like just something they were like, eh, this didn't really like work out overall. We couldn't really find a good use for it, so we just wrote it out. <laughs> yeah, well, I feel like they probably ditched it because it was too similar to Luz's glyphs. 
Also that, yeah. Like, we can have one person drawing magic. We can't have multiple people drawing magic. Yeah, especially since Bump says when Luz shows it to him for the first time that he's never seen anyone do magic with paper before. <laughs> yeah, also that. Cloudberg <laughs> <laughs> lifts are probably something a little different that's not just paper. I guess, yeah. <sighs> so, uh, it's yes, also like um, the, the glyphs that we do see are also directly related to some of the tracks compared to Luz, like, shooting fire and stuff. Right. Like, that seems like that's, like, more wild magic, or magic for only lepers coming more than anything. <laughs> Except, like, people, I mean, everybody said that anybody, even the kid can do the light glyphs, so I guess that anybody can do light spells. <laughs> Except Gus, apparently, because Gus doesn't know any magic besides illusions until he also knew telekinesis. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He just never bothered with that, huh? Um. <laughs> he's just—he's the very specialized uh, wizard. He's like, well, I'm in—I'm an illusionist wizard. That's the subclass I took at level two, so I just am gonna never take any spell besides illusions. Nah, you know what it is. Gus isn't a five E wizard. He's a three point five wizard, <laughs> and that difference is very important because back then specializations were much more hardcore. Oh yeah, like you had to pick one, and you had to have two class like uh, branches of the magic that you couldn't learn any spells of ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's also like a feat you can take where you get better at your branch, but close off two more branches, and oh, I don't remember that feat. Yeah. I remember mostly, like, the meta-magic feats, like, the ones that were, like, oh, you can, like, craft items and stuff. Mm-hmm. Or, like, basically just do, like, more or less exactly what meta-magic does in 5e, which makes up you're using, like, higher-level spell slots yeah. to do that stuff. Well, that's true. I mean, that is the basic stuff, but, you know, it's it's 3-5. Mm-hmm. There's a ton of things. Yeah. Most notably, what I'm thinking of is the illusion system. <laughs> yeah. Thank God they just killed off, like, so much 3.5 bullshit that it's just bad. <laughs> I'm sorry, you don't want to have to roll percentage to see how real your illusion is every time you cast it? No, and I also don't want to have to prepare cure light wounds, cure moderate wounds, cure serious wounds, and cure critical wounds. I'd rather just prepare cure wounds and use a higher level slot. But if you're a cleric, you can spontaneous cast cures out of any spell slot. True, but what if you don't want to be a cleric? What if you want to have spontaneous summon nature's ally instead as a druid? <laughs> yeah, no, uh, 3.5 bad. <laughs> 3.5 is great. I don't know what you're talking 3.5 about. 3.5 bad. I played more 3.5 than 5e, and I would never want to go back to 3.5. Well, I stringently disagree, and I also played more 3.5 than 5e. It was a better game. And the rules simply made more sense. <laughs> remember all those complete books that always had, like, one class option that was actually alright, and then the other two were bullshit in all of them? Remember back when Hexblade was a joke? <laughs> I mean, yeah, so? There were yeah, like now all the, now all the 70 classes, classes in that edition. Yeah, and, and now they only have like a dozen and they're all useful. <laughs> and it's boring as hell. Everyone plays the same 12 characters. <laughs> eh, not necessarily. The subclass changes up stuff, at least. Not enough. Eh, I, I find it to be at least enough. I mean, like, you get like, uh... I mean, like, all the different fighter ones, like, really change up how fighter plays, at the least. Because some ma- fighters can use magic, or some can use echo stuff, or some can use their maneuvers and stuff. To some degree, I will grant that the later fighter subclasses have been better. But that is mostly because the first several fighter subclasses were the same, and they eventually added more flavor. Yeah. 
I mean, some of them are kind of dull. Like, uh, you just get better grits, I guess. <laughs> yeah. You do athletics real good. <laughs> and I'm not saying, like, they're mechanically the same. I'm saying someone who has better fighter passives is not me- that different from someone who has fighter tricks. It's, like, it's not different enough to make it worthwhile. <laughs> But anyway, that's that's an <laughs> argument for another podcast. <laughs> um, what are you talking about? We make D&D jokes, references all the time on this. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, we absolutely do. But we're already at two hours is what I mean. True. Um, Jeez, we're not even halfway through this episode. <laughs> nope. <laughs> uh, might be blitzing through my head. Might be blitzing through my head. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Um, so an announcement comes on over the, the, the loudspeaker asking Captain Tholomule to bring his guests to the, quote, council chambers immediately, which gives us the grave revelations that Matholomule is actually Ma-Tholomule. It's, it's his last name. Um, <laughs> it doesn't actually confirm whether his name is Ma or Matt, but I choose to assume it is Ma because that is much more interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, everybody just still really calls him Matty. Anyway. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> or or Matholomew, anyway. <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't know. I don't think... Maybe we'll see when the episode actually airs what the subtitles say, <laughs> how they phrase it, but like... Because I, I think Disney's Twitter said they're just going to put the episode on iTunes. At, so it's not like it's going to be later on. I think they just said they're going to just directly put it on iTunes. So it should be yeah, probably after the correct case. subtitles. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. Um, so we cut away to Bellows, who approaches a weird rock, and he draws a glyph on it with his goo body. And this works and opens the door, but I do not know why, because it is absolutely not drawn right. The goo is just smearing everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> we have seen Luz draw glyphs that are much better than this that did not work. I, this is... She's also drawn like some variations of the glyphs themselves and still had them work. Maybe in slightly different ways, but yeah, not as like fucked up as this. I mean, we saw Amity tried to draw one and it was like all like squiggly and wrong and mm-hmm. yeah. it, didn't do, it, it made like a dead plant. Yeah. But for, for whatever reason, this works. So uh, we find ourselves in the Golden Graveyard which we did not know was a real place. Uh, kind of thought that that was just a, a metaphor no, no, inside Bellos' no, mind, but... No, we, we saw that in King's Tide. It's where the uh, the round boy fell, where Bellos threw the round boy down to, that Kikimura brought King to. We saw all these skulls and all these bodies before. Uh, hmm. Yeah, go back and watch King's Tide when Kikimura takes King to go find the round boy. You know what? Collector, you see all them. I believe this is a different place. No, I think it's the same place because like when I, I he... really don't think it is because that was underneath the Titan's skull and this yeah, is out in and, the woods and, somewhere. And when he leaves this place, he's right there at the skull and climbs up it. I guess, but I don't know. I mean, this is the growth chamber, so yeah, and I think it's the same place. I think it's right there. I, I really don't think it is because we didn't see any of the materials that make Grimwalkers back then. I think he's got two well, graveyards. I think, I think that was a separate room in there, and, like, I mean, the, uh, they said that early on that, like, the Titan Skull was off-limits to people, so, like, I feel like Bellus is always just sneaking around here and just made it be not a thing that people could go to, just to do his stuff in secret. I... I don't know. I see where you're coming from, I just... I don't feel like that's... 
if this was in the Titan Skull, I don't think he would have a secret entrance on the outside that you need a special super glyph to open. It, it's just too complicated. Yeah, but nobody else would know the glyph at all because nobody else knew about glyph magic till Luz came along anyway. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's that's my point. There's no point to it. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's Bellas. He's, he's an <laughs> asshole. His point is to have his growth chamber right next to the fucking graveyard because he's a dick. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's worth noting. Because the growth chamber is right there, they're like pits of sludge that he grows his clones in. Do the clones not see the graveyard when they get pulled out of there? They, they might not be like fully like cognizant of their surroundings when they first emerge. <laughs> but, yeah, so... Anyway, the point is, he's here because he needs a body, and so he just sort of latches onto the last vaguely viable Grimwalker. It is very clearly dead, but it is more than bones, and that's enough for his purposes. <laughs> uh, so King and the Collector arrive back at the palace, and King offers to go feed the Owl Beast. Uh, the Collector muses for a moment about what humans eat, and then Nodalia shows up. Uh, at which She's... point, everybody watching the house says collectively, fuck off, Adalia. <laughs> well, it's fuck not a surprise. This... No, it's not a surprise that this lady latched onto the ne the next most powerful person after Bellows got fucking trounced. But also, <laughs> fuck her, she's an asshole. <laughs> uh, but yeah, she she's basically acting as a servant to the collector. She'll refer to herself as Mama Odalia, so she's a roleplay mom, I guess. Uh, I think I think she says Mama Dahlia, like Odalia mixed with Mom. I don't think it's Mama Odalia. I think it says Mama Dahlia. <laughs> yeah, it's it's weird. Like it's, I don't like just, it. Yeah, it's just combining the two. <laughs> Uh, yeah, basically, um, it, she, the collector decides that they want her to make pizza bagels, and she kind of suggests that maybe she could help them, like, remake the Boiling Isles or something, anything important, and they get deeply offended when she suggests this and just drops a bunch of puppet people on her. Um, <laughs> How does the collector know what pizza bagels are? Again, the food thing with Owl House. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> If anyone was going to know, I believe it would be the collector, but most likely I, I, I King guess. probably mentioned them. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, maybe King mentioned them from Luz being like, "Oh, Luz told me about these things called pizza bagels. I never had them, but they sound great." Yeah. <laughs> but then, then no, Dolly is like, "What the fuck are pizza bagels?" <laughs> that is the most well, likely can, scenario in my mind. Know so I can make whatever I guess. <laughs> <laughs> But so I guess the collector is going to bed now because they go to the bedroom and they lament that. He's been just playing pretend for way too long, and he wants to play capture the flag now and send all the losers to the moon. And King points out that they couldn't breathe, but they say that the losers should just hold their breath. No understanding of human physiology. They got magic. They could probably be fine, maybe. I have not seen any evidence of oxygen creating magic. Fair. We haven't seen like anybody being able to like, put a bubble around their head to have breathable air while underwater or anything, but... Just because we haven't seen it yet doesn't mean it's not possible. Whether or not they could survive the vacuum in space is another issue. Yeah, given the state of education in the Boiling Isles, I don't know if they even know that oxygen is a thing. It might just be air to them. I mean, yeah, I guess. King knows that you need air, and air doesn't exist in space, but he might not know it's necessarily oxygen. Exactly, yeah. None uh, of them learn chemistry on the Boiling Isles. Mm-hmm, yeah. Yeah, so uh, the, the collector then decides that they want to be read a story and just plops an enormous stack of stone tablets down in front of King. 
They are bound together with a spine, like each tablet has holes punched through the back of it, which are then sewn onto the spine, which technically makes it a book, but it's like... Yeah. <laughs> not... It, it's stone tablets. So King starts to read the story. He, he opens it to the second page of the book. I want to point this out, not the first <laughs> page. And it's... Basically, it's just a rhyme for collectors, which we learn are a species. Um, according to this book, their whole deal is that they just collect everything. They seal it away so that it can never fade or be forgotten. They're like... It, they're the people who put their comic books in plastic bags and seal them up so they're in yeah. mint condition. <laughs> Except they do it by force. They just come down on a planet and seal everything up. And if people try to resist being collected at all, according to this book, uh, they set the atmosphere on fire and glass the uh -huh. planets. Sure do. <laughs> that part is crossed out by the collector because it's like, don't read that part. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. The collector has written in a line about how playing is more fun and the other collectors are mean. So... Ominous. <laughs> yeah. See, so this at least explains why they turned the owl beast into a scroll to preserve it, but this doesn't really explain why they also made the scroll into a curse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, that might just be the collectors being like, oh, well, like, keeping it as a scroll is just not as much fun. You know, it would also be fun if anybody read this, it would have fucked them up. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <are a> child. <laughs> I wonder if the Owl Beast was meant to be, because presumably the collectors have a vault or something that they put the place, the stuff that they seal away. So maybe the Owl Beast was meant to be taken along, but they got distracted by this whole rampaging child thing. <laughs> yeah, because I mean the the scroll fell into the like the sea, and yeah. for some reason the collector was like, "Well, can't get that, I guess." <laughs> well, my <laughs> uh, incredible power can't lift a piece of paper out of the ocean. Oh well. <laughs> yep. <laughs> well, right. I guess I'll find that one. <laughs> yeah. So despite this book being like 30 feet wide, the story is just contained to one singular page. That's 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 the whole thing. So King turns off the light because that's all he's reading today. We're not we're not gonna touch the rest of this book. And as he does so, the collector asks to cuddle Francois, but King reminds him that he's only ever let one person hold him because Francois is his best friend. And the collector is disappointed by this, but. Uh, they sort of cuddle in under the covers to sleep and ask for Francois to be watching over them, and King agrees to that, so that's nice, because the Collector doesn't like being alone after being trapped in a mirror for a thousand years. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, they, they drift off as uh, Francois watches over them, and that's the end of my half of the episode. <laughs> yep. All right. Let's, uh, let's try to get through this as quickly as we can, even though I feel <laughs> like I'm also going to get distracted a lot. All right, oh, we're definitely so, going to get distracted. Yeah, lot. we're not technically at the halfway point, but this was like the closest we could get to like a good cutoff period for one to stop and one to take over. So, yeah. whatever. Uh, but yeah, the Hex Squad are brought to the gymnasium where Jerbo is trying to pitch keeping track of supplies to Basha so that the kids wouldn't have to fight over food anymore because everything's just going to hell there. But her, like, really small assistant, who will learn is named Mickey, says it lessened Basha's guard, which would also increase her likelihood of being collected. I don't know why I wrote collected with a capital C, like I'm talking about, like, the Mass Effect collectors, but I put it there for some huh. reason. Okay, so I know I'm immediately derailing, but... Yeah, <laughs> yep. I'm so sorry. One uh, <laughs> you cannot lessen the amount of food supply you have. You have plant track yeah, people uh -huh. here. Mm -hmm. It's so easy to provide food for y'all. Yep. It, 
collector. But Vasya doesn't want to be collected, so she's willing to let everything go to hell, I guess. It's not even about her. that. They're just base level not using the magic they have available. It's the same problem with the healing students. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't worry about it. It's fine. <laughs> so, it's, it's, it's been fine for the last two months, so it's all good, I guess. <laughs> Yeah. But but yeah, uh, during that, uh, Mickey does refer to Basha as president, and at this, uh, Gerald just goes to leave, and is surprised to see the others are back, and after admitting to Maddie that Basha rejected every idea they had, he goes to make sure the kindergartners aren't off hunting the lockers again, I guess. Uh, Maddie has to do like a little introduction introducing President Basha, and the guards Maddie and Roka to them and everything. And Bastard says that new Hexide is the future of the Isles, and Amity immediately refused to being a student council at all because she tried to convince Bump to make one, but apparently was shot down for being too obsessed, because, of course, we're two for two in these specials of Amity bringing up being top student. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hopefully they'll do it again in the next one. <laughs> uh, yeah, Gus then asks who the guards even are, and Mickey explains that she and her sister took shelter at the school traveling for the Day of Unity, and they helped Bastard establish order as thanks for being let in. Which, of course, we get a bunch of students at that point running from the kindergartners with Ed being pulled off by them, presumably to be eaten, so rip Edric. <laughs> he will not show up again. Yeah, I mentioned that they would have to have another scene in this series. It yeah. will be without Ed. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, hey, to be fair, we've established that uh, fucking Tibbles inside three times if we're now including a t tabletop campaign as canon. So, who can say? Tibbles might still show up too, and Edric might survive this. <laughs> I mean, honestly, though, why didn't they just catch Tibbles? It's free meat for Edric. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Who knows? Uh, I mean, Tibbles is either still stuck in a rock somewhere in like a cave, or it's still frozen solid in our <laughs> cannon. <laughs> so who knows? Uh, yeah, but Luce goes ahead and introduces her mom and says that they plan on freeing everyone from the archives and save the owls, but Mickey explains how Basha just sits on their ass over how the Gretzby team got puppeted, and that they stay put for their own safety. And at that, Basha just kicks him out of the gym, and Maddie says that ever since Mickey and Roka arrived, Basha hasn't bothered to address anything, with threats of whoever trying to, like, make any changes around there getting thrown into the detention pit, should they retaliate. And then Luce has the idea that there's another way to get to the archives without Basha's help, which is that they can teleport into the Titan Skull, which she'll explain later on about how she actually comes up with the idea. <laughs> Uh, but we cut back over with King, where he finds Adalia struggling with the puppets and asks for the one that is Hootie, because Hootie's just in the pile there. And then walks towards the busted caged area of the palace guarded by the puppets of the Nine Covenheads, and also Ida, who's just there, but she's playing around. She's not actually a puppet. <laughs> she's just <laughs> hanging out there so she can be refrained for a bit. Uh, and she tries to step past, like, a little magic line written on the ground, which alerts all the other Covenheads to her with spell circles, till King pushes her back in. At which point they just deactivate, and he tells her that she has to stop leaving her room because the collector thinks she's still stuck in Owlbeats for him. So I guess the collector just doesn't check in on this room, <laughs> <laughs> even though it has a giant hole in the wall from where the Owlbeats busted out once before. <laughs> he just doesn't check. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but when they go in there, Odelia is just like dragging the other puppets past the area and gets an idea because she sucks and doesn't want to do her work herself. <laughs> Uh, yeah. In Ida's room, Lilith's also here because she apparently got him puppeted at some point in the past, and she's apparently like as uh, the like end credits show, she actually had Ida cut her hair to get rid of all of her like dyed hair and everything, so she now just has like short red hair, like she would have had if she didn't dye it all the time. And she's brewing the elixir, and they also somehow have their couch there. I don't know how they have their couch. <laughs> it's just there. <laughs> Yeah, well, uh, so the thing is, like, the Emperor's Coven took all their stuff. The couch had to go somewhere. Maybe it was just in the skull and they went and got it. 
Yeah, but why would they brought stuff to the skull? You would think they were brought it to the castle. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. It's yeah. not like the castle wasn't... No, I guess it wasn't near the skull. Never mind. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's like... Cause like it the, was close enough to walk. The castle is like closer to like the rib cage because we still have like the the weird heart in Bellus's throne room, which might be the heart, might be the ballastack. We still are not sure about that. I feel like that's not getting addressed either. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But they all did like have the big parade from the castle to the skull. So at the very least, it can't be that far. Yeah, it's close enough at least. Uh, yes. Uh, but yeah, she goes ahead and gives the elixir to Ida, saying that she thinks she got right this time, and it does work to remove the little bit of feathers that are on Ida's neck, but she says it tastes even worse than the king, the kind she used to buy. And then King X, uh, Lilith, if she can do anything about Hootie, and she basically just like holds him because they're besties and cries into his face a little bit, which because of the power of friendship makes Hootie like consciousness wake up again, so he can talk even though he's still in his little Jack in the Box form. And either just remarks again that he still managed to find new ways to creep her out, even though this isn't his fault. <laughs> mm -hmm, yeah. And King says that they could have the collector and puppet him like he did for them, but because I guess uh, King just acts nicely to unpuppet uh, Lilith at the least. <laughs> uh, but Lilith refuses, saying that King's already taking too many risks to help them, which Ida sadly agrees to, saying that they could all be puppeted for good if the collector learns the truth. <laughs> and at that, King just kind of sadly hugs Ida's leg, saying he misses Luz, but Ida assures him that she's safe with her real family, which King immediately rebukes, saying that she doesn't mean that since they're her family too, <laughs> her good adopted family. Yeah. And Lilith assures them that they'll find a way to be the collector and that at least Luz and her friends are far away from all this, so of course they are, obviously are not, <laughs> at least not anymore. <laughs> they don't know that though. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, going back with the Hex Squad, they sneak into the photography room, if we remember that from way back in Season 1, where Maddie and Gerbo have apparently been using it to come up with plans to try to make Hexide more livable. And they're here because they went to go and... Uh, I'm sorry, I'm skipping around a little bit. Uh, Willow finds some of the old photos still on the wall of, like, mostly of just, like, her with, like, some of her memories still. I don't know why they're still up here when you'd think they would have been put back... Wait, no, they got burned. Why would they still be here? <laughs> Yeah. It's like there's the one of like her, her and her dad's at whatever the boiling house version of Christmas is, mm -hmm. and it's like most of them are like jokey things. It's like one of them is like loose as a little kid with like the like the crazy hair. One is Gerbo being glared at by Viney with the word traitor written on it, <laughs> <laughs> and there's the other one of Hunter and his flyer derby looks. But like some of them are just straight up Willow's memories. I don't know why they're still here when they got burned by Amity <laughs> by accident. Yeah, no uh, idea. Yeah, but mostly I don't know. Because, I mean, several of these people are still in the school, right? You would think that they would want to put those memories back in their head just for safekeeping, because we know how dangerous it is to have them not in your head. Yeah. Eh, who knows? Maybe that's the last of the concerns at the moment. <laughs> but yeah, who knows? Uh, but Willow has a moment of trying to hold on her emotions still before she takes the photo of Hunter, and Gus realizes that Maddie actually has decent leadership skills from the various plans that they re uh, read off. And then they're here for, like, their actual reason, which is that uh, Willow's here to help Luz extract some of the memories from her to try to find the picture of the teleportation glyph that Bellus used to get into the Titan Skull back in Elsewhere and Elsewhere. This is very clever, and I really yeah. appreciate it. I would feel better about it if they put stuff back when it wasn't what they were looking yeah, for. Yeah, yeah. I, I have it written down of, like, all the ones they pull out, and I'll get to that later on. But it's also, like... How does Luce even have this, like, full picture of the glyph? Because it's, like, it's just straight up the shot from the episode. It's not from mm -hmm. Luce's point of view. <laughs> no, it's definitely an overhead shot. <laughs> yeah, there's just so many, like, stills of, like, episodes. There's, like, bits in there not from Luce's point of view at all that we'll see later on. <laughs> it's just funny. 
Uh, but yeah, but we go back over to Bellows for a bit, and he emerges from the ground, and we don't see his various, like, meat and goop melt off the, of his form because we just see a shadow of it reflected on the wall. But he just, just straight up does melt again. But we do get a <laughs> close-up of his hand turning into, like, mush and bone, which kind of real fucked up for a kid's show. It's <laughs> like, yeah, that, that man, that flesh just turns to, like, meat and, to, like, bone and stuff. Yeah, but, like, he angrily says that the body wasn't ready, because, like, it was never a corpse at that point, or, like, it was stayed in too long, or it just wasn't ready yet. And he runs, screaming from the lair, climbs up to the archives, because, again, I think, it seems like to me it's just really, this is just in the skull, and he's just, like, in there, and he doesn't <laughs> have to, like, move, get very far to get there. And he sees Adelia commanding Rain to put the puppets away, because she apparently just went and got them to do the, her job for her, because she sucks. <laughs> and yeah. she, she, of course, like, has, like, a very, like tempting fate moment here just talking to herself about her deal with the collector being a waste of time and just wishes somebody could see her potential at which point we're led to believe that Bellis is going to goop into her because he like appears right behind her being like oh yes you'll do quite well but he's referring to rain and instead goops in the rain's puppet form to take them over instead we don't yeah. see we don't see what happened to Adelia after that so uh, maybe he killed her hopefully <laughs> <laughs> We can only hope. Kind of assume that the reason for this is because as a puppet, Raiden would likely be easier to take over, but yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's a weird kind like, of fake like, out. <laughs> yeah, like, considering that we don't see, like, well, I mean, Bellos did goop into Hunter, but, like, he also, like, Hunter at least is, like, has bits of, like, wood in his construction because he has a Grim Walker, so, like, it's probably yeah. way harder to goop into, like, a, like, meat and bone person. Because, like, with Rain at least being a puppet, there's at least, like, presumably, like, actual, like, more, like, space and wood components in Rain at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. What do you can say? I mean, who knows what's up really fully with Phyllis's goop. He could probably goop into a normal flesh and blood person if he wanted to. <laughs> uh, but back over in the photography room, Willow just ends up having to pull a lot of memories out of Luce to actually get the photo they need. Which, as I have written down here, uh, it's scenes of Luce choosing to stay on the Boiling Isles way back in episode 1. It's when she took Amity's magic book and training wand from uh, Adventures in the Elements. Uh, just mere moments before Ida went like full Arrow Beast mode in Agony of a Witch, talking to her mom in Yesterday's Lie, showing Philip the light glyph, Bellos revealing himself to be Philip, losing King and King's Tide, and finally her mom as Grom. <laughs> So, yeah, it's just, again, you're basically just pulling, like, all the, like, the really, like, significant and, in most cases, very sad moments that Luce has experienced in the last few months. <laughs> uh, but they finally get the photo of the teleportation glyph, but before they go, Willow gives Hunter the photo of himself, and set, and, and Gus is there saying that while they're all Miss Flapjack, they know that he loves Hunter the most, and Willow says that they don't care who he was supposed to be because he's one of them now. And Hunter just has, like, a, like, kind of look on his face that he's just, like, really not sure how to process his emotions at this point. Because he's, like, not necessarily, like, happy, or but also not necessarily sad. He's just a bit confused. <laughs> like, he's, he says he's not sure how he feels when Luz asks him. Which makes Willow feel guilty again and has some more vines wrapped around her feet as she just leaves the room, thinking that she made things worse. And Gus admits that this is his fault, too, because... He confirms a fan theory here that he saw all of Bellus's worst memories when he like hit him with the the memory lockup thing back <laughs> in the day of Unity, and he learned from that that Hunter is a Grimwalker because he saw all that shit. <laughs> so, fan theory number one for this episode confirmed. I guess yeah. we can lay that argument from our last episode to rest. <laughs> yep. He had hoped that Hunter would have just basically brought it up himself 
rather than having Bellows force the issue, and that they're all hurting as a result, and Gus goes to find Willow, but Hunter rushes after them. And while she's just like kind of just walking off with no intention of where she's going, Willow's interrupted by Basha saying that leading isn't as easy as it seems, and that if the leader screws up, the entire team screws up. And when she offers advice, Willow finally gives her the thrashing that she's <laughs> been deserving for so long, saying that she's been nothing but petty and rude to her this entire time, and that's because she just wants her to admit that she, how stressed she is. But Basha says that the advice was just to always watch her back, and she pulls up her mask as we see what you can pretty much just figure out is Roka right behind her. <laughs> <laughs> but back over in the further room, Camilla remarks that the kids have been going through a lot, and that there will still be a lot to fix even when they beat the Collector. And Amity says that at least they'll all be together to figure things out, but as Luz tries to tell her about her plan to stay in the human realm, they're interrupted by Roka knocking out the wall to the room, <laughs> and Mickey's there accusing them of making plans to stage a queue, and Maddie admits that they were because they just suck and are the worst. <laughs> and at this, Mickey starts to laugh maniacally, which of course clues Luz in, and also I somehow didn't realize the voice actor was just the same, so I should have realized myself that this is just Kikimura, that little <laughs> shitbird. It's just uh. her, and Roka is obviously just the Abomaton that she has. <laughs> <laughs> and Camilla says that she smells something, which Luz realizes from her own experience of using them are sleeping nettles, with Basha having a bottle of them there with her to knock them all out, so they got this fall unconscious. I do feel like this is... <laughs> Kikimura has always been so power hungry, and I understand that, but I, why would she be so interested in ruling over children if she wasn't even ruling? I think she just wants to have control over somebody. It doesn't matter who. I guess, but as much as she's been ambitious about climbing the ladder specifically so she can put people down and order them around, like she doesn't do that. She's just standing around, whispering in a king's ear. And even there, she's not actually doing anything. She's telling people not to do things. Yeah. Uh, it just... It's, like, it's, if she wanted to do this, she could have gone to the collector. It would be the same thing. Yeah. I don't know, maybe she just figures it'd be easier to manipulate Basha than the collector, I guess, because Basha's 14 and the collector is an immortal monster. I guess. It, so, I don't know. But yeah, no, it's it's just, Kikimura's has always felt like such a weird kind of afterthought character in a sense. Like, she's always just been like the, the, the stooge to the Emperor, and now that the Emperor is basically just toast, she's just like, well, I guess we gotta figure out some way to make a conflict here besides just Basha, because Basha would not be able to really be much of a threat on her own, yeah. because she only knows potion magic. <laughs> like, potions can be potent, but not so much when you can just, like, shoot vines or goop at a person. <laughs> So she needs a person with a big mech, I guess, to actually be a threat in this episode. Yeah, yeah. If I can be completely honest, I didn't like this episode very much. Yeah, so. it, I, I feel like this episode is just weaker on just based on the notion of, like, the previous episode was just so strong, like, overall from start to beginning. Or, uh, yeah. From uh, beginning to end, driver. Like, this one has moments, but it's, like, this one also is, like, it kind of feels like it's more, like, the weird middle ground one of, like, yeah, it's establishing the, the stakes for, like, the final episode. It's mostly them, like, doing a bunch of information gathering to find out what's been going on for the last few months in the Boiling Isles. Yeah, yeah, it, it's just so much, like, how do I say this? 
I would have been way more interested in an episode that didn't feature a losing company. It was just Boiling Isles people surviving yeah, like, for like those maybe, months, you like know? Maybe, like, maybe it was like this episode is like the same time frame or something. That we exactly, yeah, on, like, but the, just from the other side the of the mirror. Yeah, but and then, like, and then even, like at the very end, they get back to the demon realm or something. Yeah, but like, like I say, even discounting that, so much of this episode is... Like, this whole school thing, there's just kind of no point to it. The only reason we do it is so we see that the school still exists. Yeah, it's, it's really just, again, like similar to why I was like, oh, maybe they don't really do much of Ed and M at all in the last episode. It's like, this episode kind of just feels like it's like, all right, here's all, like, the, the B and C tier characters that we feel like we should, like, see at the least, if not talk to one last time before the show's over kind of deal. Yeah, exactly. Because it's like you have Kikimura in there, you have Matholomew, you have, like, Skara in there and Viney, who are, like, the two, like, actual, like, more standout kids since they were part of the Flyer Derby team. Yeah, and I mean, Jerbo has lines and... Yeah, Jerbo has lines. <laughs> Fucking Barkus showed up, even if he got to do nothing, <laughs> and he's gone again. <laughs> like, the last time he showed up, he literally just spat a card in the hunter's face, but at least he's actually here wearing sunglasses and being part of a <laughs> scouting team, I guess. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's it's a weird one. I get obviously like again, they did the best they could and like I feel like the last episode is at least going to be way stronger because it is going to be the season finale. So <laughs> it's like part of it I feel like is like I think I remember mentioning this. I was like I don't think they necessarily would actually like get loose back together with King and Ida at all at the, by the end of this episode. I feel like that's more something that would be next episode and I think I think I'd said that back when we were talking about what yeah. we thought the specials were going to be. Because it's like, that. it feels like it would be too easy if she re- got reunited with them immediately. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we were definitely completely right that they wouldn't get back to the Boiling Isles until the very end of the first episode, <laughs> at least. Like, we didn't see the Boiling Isles at all in that, so we were right with that. Uh, yeah, so, I don't know. I don't want to say that it's bad, exactly. It just, yeah, it that, feels like it's spinning its wheels in a frustrating yeah, like way, the, the, considering have, how little have, we have left. Yeah, there have been some episodes that have been definitely weaker, like, uh, I'm trying to think of one on top of my head here at the moment, like, uh... Body Swap. Yeah, Body Swap. <laughs> body Swap, the easy go-to of the worst episode overall. <laughs> But also, like, I would even say, like, the second episode, where it's, like, it's just that weird side story with the wizard that they never fucking established what the fuck <laughs> wizards are anyway. <laughs> Didn't bother to keep that going at all to ever explain it. Where it's, like, that was just, like, a moral lesson for Lucy. Like, yeah, you gotta work hard at it. You're not just, like, a chosen one kind of deal. It's, like, okay, that's fair. It's, like, it's just, like, a moral lesson episode. Like, that was that would feel more closer, like, an amphibia episode more than anything. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, no, it's... It's definitely fine. It's just, yeah. With the time frame we're in, I feel like this time yeah, could have been used better. Yeah, it's like it's it's clearly going to be like the weakest of the three specials. I think is an easy estimation based yeah, on how sure. good the first one was, and like I don't think they could possibly like really stumble over every fucking like step along the way to getting to the finale. <laughs> like I feel like the finale is going to be at least good. I would hope. Yeah, <laughs> I've been wrong. I've been wrong before. Uh, looking over at you again, Star Wars with uh, the fucking sequels, where it's like, yeah, you had, you had a good baseline in the first one, then you read like really good highs in the second, then you just fucking fell off a cliff. In the third. <laughs> no, Fuck this is, Skywalker. Yeah, this is more along the. This is our Iron Man two, is what it is. <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> to put it like that. But yeah, we should get back to it because I still have a lot yep. of notes. Uh, but yeah. Uh, 
I wrote down Belain or Rainlos. I'm not sure how we would necessarily d specify that it's <laughs> Bellos controlling Rain, but I mean, Bellos doesn't what about run good from. Bill. <laughs> it's like I'm imagining that being like the tweets where it's always like the it's like people replacing like a letter with like the uh, the red B. <laughs> I think that's definitely where the B. For the record, I know Billup doesn't work as a Bellows Rain name, but I just like Billup. <laughs> there, I think I, I think it's just easier to just call them Rain because like Bellows doesn't ungroup from Rain, and it's like it's gonna be him piling Rain's puppet body around, so I'll just say yeah. Rain. Fair but, yeah. enough. Yeah, but Rain enters the collector's bedroom and reaches forth to try to goop them, only for him to wake up and snare them in their bed sheets. The collector demands to know how Rain is here at all, with them responding that the puppet spell is still in effect and says that they're there to warn them of the danger they're in, as thanks for taking such good care of them, because I guess, again, they're trying to argue that the power of friendship brought Rain to life for a sec to be able to speak. <laughs> Uh, but we get back over there, uh, back to the school, where Kikimura tosses Luz, Kamiya, Amity, and Maddie into the detention pit, saying that she doesn't work for an underling and instead prefers her partnership with Basha. And Luz retorts that Kikimura is still just doing exactly what Bellos did at scaring people into compliance because she can't come up with her own original idea, which is fair because Kikimura is not doing anything original, she's just being Bellos again. Mm -hmm. So she decides to jump into the pit and take them out directly rather than just leaving them in there because she doesn't understand that if you just leave people in there, they'll eventually starve. <laughs> uh, and also, despite her basically being bested by these kids before, like a few months ago. <laughs> When her mech was actually still getting proper maintenance, not mm -hmm. months yeah. deteriorating. <laughs> so, again, Kikimura, dumbass. Not a good yeah. character. <laughs> had a moment where it's like, oh, maybe they're going to turn Kikimura around and make her interesting when they had her be a focal point of the very first episode of season 2B, but then, nah, Kikimura fell off a cliff no. after that. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, maybe yeah. she's going to be decent in the end. Maybe she'll side with them against Bellas. Nah, she's going to be an asshole to everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah, but at least we get to spend some time with my BFF, the detention monster. <laughs> <laughs> well, the detention monster doesn't seem to really be doing anything at this point. It's not like attacking anybody or doing yeah, much. It doesn't even it's, speak. it's definitely it do not. They're yeah. just kind of standing in its room. <laughs> Maybe the detention monster died and they're just in its corpse. <laughs> I don't know. No. <laughs> Rip. Uh, but yes, Amity tells Basha to stop this because she's even too far for Basha because Basha is basically being uh, accomplice to murder here. <laughs> but she goes ahead and locks the pit closed and Luz then starts to fight Kiyomura. I'm not going to go play by play with this because it'd just be too much. Yep. And also because we've been too long in the tooth here. But uh, worth pointing out that Kamiya does try to draw the ice cliff to help but messes it up a bit and it basically just shoots off like a blast into the ceiling which breaks the part that. And it almost falls into Kamiya, but Luz, like, manages to dive and get her out of the way in time. While Amity bubbles herself and Amity, uh, Maddie to protect them. And somehow, like, while this happens, like, even though Luz is right there getting her, diving her mom out of the way, she somehow gets, like, separated from her for a sec. I don't know how. <laughs> but, yeah, but, uh, yeah, that happens at this point. And at one point during that, uh, Kamiya throws her bat at Kikimura because, uh, I guess she doesn't want to take out her sandal yet. I guess her sandal's too powerful. <laughs> Uh, also, I didn't mention it earlier when you were doing your synopsis, but I noticed that when Kamiya has her, like, jacket more tied around her, like, uh, 
she's using it basically as like a sling to like hold her bat on her back kind of deal. Yeah. Somehow, how, somehow her pride pin is now on the sleeve of the of the sweater jacket. Well, obviously she moved it so it would still be displayed. Yeah, like I I, I, I thought of that too. Where it's like it just looks strange because it's like it's straight up just definitely hanging off of the <laughs> off of the what's the sleeve as opposed to on the chest where it was before. It's just amusing that she actually took the time to like. Not only unpin it, because like you would think she would just put it away for safekeeping, but she had to put it back into position to still support Luce, even though everybody on the Boiling Owls at this point really knows that Luce is by at this point, probably. <laughs> uh, but yeah. But elsewhere in the tunnel, Basha confronts Amity and Maddie, and it turns out that the whole this whole thing is going on because Basha basically just regrets letting Amity go, because she let her leave the Gretzby team, let her leave their friend group, and also disappeared for months. Not, not that that last one was really Amity's fault. <laughs> circumstance <laughs> happened with that and she begs for her to come back and be a team of her even if the rest of the regretful team is gone and then tries to do the whole Darth Vader will rule together plan of like rule the school together if you join me only for Amity to basically shut her down and just try to leave and then Vasha tries to grab her from behind but Maddie separates them with a pillar and they have like a little brief fight here not not so much really really trying to fight much but worth pointing out that like Maddie's actually also been practicing abomination magic because he uses like Amity's like abomination gloves to catch uh like to deflect like uh the like top of the stone pillar that she kicks towards them <laughs> to throw <laughs> back at her so he doesn't like uh he hasn't shown any like indication of going and having a third uh practice the magic but yeah i guess he's just been practicing more stuff to help with the apocalypse more or less yeah you know i feel like this is probably the best opportunity you're gonna have to pick up more magic so yeah like when there's no adults around to tell you not to and like also when there's a fucking star child uh, raining armageddon <laughs> upon everybody <laughs> yeah you probably have to do whatever you can to survive <laughs> But uh, during that, like, apparently Amity this whole time, it's been an illusion that uh, Maddie had going. Because I guess uh, Gus at some point taught him the whole, like, prolonged illusion thing that Gus did to disguise Lucy and Hunter as each other. And then he uh, pops Amity out of her actual illusion, which is behind Basha, and she has a big abomination. Saying that she can't be who Basha wants her to be, but that can, they can still work together to save her teammates. Uh, but <laughs> elsewhere in the pit, uh, Hunter wakes Gus up and explains that they also got sleeping nettled by Basha and Kikimura. And Gus starts to head out, but Hunter is a bit bummed out about the situation still, and just, you know, sadly talks to himself, wishing that Flapjack was here to help him know what to say to everybody. And he feels a little bit of lines tugging at his arm, and then hears Gus scream, only to run towards them and see that Willow's down here too, but is losing control of her magic because she's just, like, letting everything fucking loose because she hasn't, like processed her feelings at all this whole episode. And these vines have grabbed Gus, and it's basically just making the entire tunnel be covered in vines. <laughs> but jumping back from there, back to the Collector and Rain, because <laughs> this episode kind of just, again, jumps all over the place at times. Yeah, it's a uh, little, uh, little bouncy. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a lot like uh, like back in season one, where we even have like 30 second long scenes and then jump yep. around to somewhere else again. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of that. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of different character groups at this point that they need to talk, like, show doing stuff. <laughs> All of them well, in different places. There's not even that many, though, at this point, because most mean, folks are grouped up. Yeah, well, like, the, I mean, there's Luce's group, but they're split into three groups at this point. I guess. There's uh, Bellows off on his own. There's King going off talking to Ida and Lilith at this point. There's the Collector being confronted by Bellows after Bellows goops in the rain's body. Yeah, there's, a, there's like a bunch of different like things working all together at the time, but in different locations. 
But yeah, I, I would have classified it as three groups at this point, but sure. <laughs> I, I guess. One's in the school, one's in the skull, and I, I guess two different groups are in the archives, but in different places in the archives. But yeah. But yeah, back with uh, them, uh, the Collector just laughs at the prospect of possibly being in danger, and Raynan says that somebody close to them is planning against him. And he ar argues that King is their bestie, and when Rain asks where King is now, the Collector goes and spies in on Eda's room by just, like, having, like, a magic scrying spell, basically, that just popped their eyes into there. And I guess King's been stealing, like, various books that have been collected in the archives, because they have a bunch of books that Lilith's been reading that specifies that Titan magic can actually, like, counteract the Collector's powers, which explains why the Collector's predecessors killed all the Titans. <laughs> Yeah, like, uh, what, uh, what book is this? Uh. Yeah, that, that's, this is, like, the part of the episode that really also stuck out in my mind of, like, how, this doesn't really make a lot of sense, because, like, why would the Collector's predecessors have kept this book that specifies Titan magic counteracts our magic, so that's yeah. why we murdered mm -hmm. all mm -hmm. our asses? You know what would make a lot of sense for them to get this information is from that 30-foot-wide book that King has to read every night, you know? But, yeah. uh, no, instead, it's just gonna be some other rando book written by a totally different person. Yeah, it's, a, it's very strange. <laughs> like, obviously, again, like, this is, like, something that people thought of. Like, people were like, okay, yeah, it's probably gonna be a case of, like, yeah, King's Shout Magic can probably stop the Collector's powers, because why else would the Titans all be wiped out except him? But at the same time, we also know what happened to all the other Collectors. We only know this one. So, who knows? <laughs> Maybe they're off somewhere else. Maybe they're on different, like, in different realities and different planets and stuff. Who can say? <laughs> uh, yeah. Lilith basically says that this uh, basically means that they cannot e only defeat the Collector, but potentially trap him again. And King says that they cannot do that. And this makes the Collector seem satisfied that King is their, has their best interests in mind. But then King continues saying that the trap didn't work last time in the long run, so they need a better solution that can stop the Collector for good. And King is like, oh, I think I have an idea for a permanent solution, which, of course, the Collector misinterprets as, yeah, he's going to fucking kill me. <laughs> well, yeah, and, it is still yeah. a kid's show. <laughs> yeah. And then Rain says that Luce is also back on the elves to help King put an end to them, which, of course, just achieves Bells' goals of being a dick and spreading distrust amongst people. <laughs> but since the Collector had stopped their scrying spell on King, King explains that the Collector is just a sad, lonely little kid and that he relates to him in a sense and hopes that talking to him can resolve things so that's more his permanent solution of like trying to actually convince the collector to stop being a bit of a chaos engine i guess rather than let's do a murder on a child <laughs> i see where he's going with this but like he's tried not... to convince the yeah he's tried to convince the collector before to stop doing this and it hasn't yeah worked. <laughs> he's been working on this for two months and while i understand that you cannot reasonably expect to change someone's worldview in two months like this is plenty of time to understand that you're dealing with an otherworldly being with no sense of human morality or physiology. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the Collector literally doesn't know what people eat and also that they need to breathe to not die. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. To speak nothing of the Collector's uh, lack of morals and turning people into puppets to use as part of make-believe. Yeah, I don't know that I would call the Collector evil, but it's so no, yeah, amoral like, and distant yeah, from humanity like, that there's, like, you're not going to bring them around yeah it's like i mean it's like yeah you would obviously call bellows evil because he's a fucking genocidal maniac who's yeah. been planning to do a genocide for 400 years he's evil the collector is not evil the collector just doesn't understand mortality <laughs> but yeah 
as far as we know, the collector is apparently very much aware that sometimes his species destroys planets. <laughs> so yeah, in a sense. I mean, they did cross out the whole part of like we'll burn the planet and scorch the air. <laughs> yeah, I think that was the proper terminology using it. Uh, kind of props to the other collectors, I guess, for just being so, uh, blatant about, yeah, we will fucking wipe out entire, uh, realities if need be, if you try to stand against us. It's not uh, even not, about they're... standing against them, it's just, if you try to not get collected, we'll set your planet on fire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Sure will. Uh, but continuing on, uh, Luz and Camille escape out to the woods because, I guess, uh, between... Uh, when Luce, oh right, because like, Luce got, thought she got separated from her mom, but then her mom was there to throw the bad kidney card. That's why they're gonna never again. Right, because Luce and Camille escape out into the woods outside of the detention pit by like, breaking, breaking apart the wall a little bit. Yeah, uh, and they're using invisibility glyphs this way they're invisible, but Kikimura is still on the tail anyway. And when the glyph ends, Luce is frustrated that she once again just made things worse. And when she says that it doesn't matter, Kamiya gets her to admit that she doesn't really want to actually leave the demon realm forever. And then tells her, very justifiably and correctly, that messing up is a part of life. Because that's mm -hmm. how you learn stuff. <laughs> and like, she, she explains this by the times that she messed up. Like how she says that she scheduled her wisdom teeth surgery the day before her wedding. That she cursed out <laughs> Lucy's principal once in a fit of road rage. Was in a pyramid scheme selling energy drinks for three years. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a funny little bit here at the start where it's like, yeah, it's a, a little bit humorous. And then she starts to cap it off with the really heavy stuff of like just saying that it was her biggest, one of her biggest mistakes was thinking that they should move the Gracefield to be near the fancy hospital for her husband, which Luce knows how that all ended. So, woof. <laughs> Thanks to me for reminding us about that uh -huh. from the last episode with that uh, recording that Luce had on the laptop. And then she says that one of her biggest mistakes also was not sending up for Luce when she needed it most, and then she reveals to Luce that she's just as much of a nerd as her daughter is by quoting the Astral O from the sci-fi books that I wrote, forgot the name of. Uh, uh <laughs> didn't write it down. Cosmic Frontier? Cosmic Frontier, right. <laughs> and she goes ahead and says that she didn't want to make Luce have as much of a hard time growing up as she did, and that her biggest mistake was just trying to make her daughter into something other than the good witch that she is, and at this point I start tearing up when I watch this part. <laughs> Thanks, Joe. <laughs> Again. <laughs> and at this, neither of them notice that Luce's fanny pack starts to glow a little bit, as Luce says that she finally realized after all this time that the only thing she ever actually wanted to be was to be understood. Which makes us two for two on the specials having a trans allegory. Hopefully they do another one the next uh. episode. Because <laughs> we had Hunter saying that he's, even though he's not the person he thought he was supposed to be, he likes who he is now in the previous one. Mm -hmm. And we have this with Luce. <laughs> I talked to my mom about this and she said, yeah, I also thought about entirely about you, Vivian, when I heard this part too. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> and at this, her palisman's egg finally bursts open in an explosion of magical energy with the staff holding what basically kind of looks at first like a little bit of a supernova at the top, which forms into an orb that's not hatched fully yet properly, or at least hasn't formed fully, but it still at least is a staff. Honestly, and... I think it is fully hatched at this point. It's just like lighting effects to tease us more. <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah, it just hasn't like uh, like decided to be an animal form yet. It's just like has like some weird glow to it or something that looks like an orb. No, I mean like I believe that it is the animal already. Like it, it, I, oh, I think I, I it is that thing. It's See, just I don't think because so, of because the, the animation we're I don't, seeing. I don't... 
think so because like Luce says that she doesn't know what it's gonna be yet when later on and also like when she goes and shows her the staff to her friends it's all back in the supernova form so it hasn't formed again I think it's just that like that I think the palisman is just still trying to decide but it's like I need to at least ask to help her out at the moment <laughs> I, and, I yeah. don't the main reason I don't think that's the case is because of what it ends up being like uh, fair, yeah. It can, it, yeah. <laughs> it, we'll talk about that when we get there. So, maybe fair, we're not really sure. It's just, again, it might just be, like, an effect of, like, let's tease the audience for more. <laughs> yeah, that, that is exactly my point. Yeah, I believe like, that they are just delaying the reveals as like, long as they hey, can. It's, it's like they were like, hey, look, Eggie's finally, finally hatched, and then it's like, I got you for, like, another five minutes. <laughs> uh-huh. Fuck you. <laughs> But yeah, the whole like explosion of magical energy alerted Kikimura, and she jumps at them at their hiding place when uh, the whole like orb staff thing happens. <laughs> uh, back over with Willow, she's still struggling against the finest dry say Gus, only for them to start wrapping around her too, as Hunter can only watch because he's also all ensnared by the vines. And Willow berates herself, saying that she cannot be other than half a witch, because she just like loses all control over everything and just is like, ah, I guess I've accepted the feed here. But Hunter's resolved to try to help her cause it's in the glow gold, and he is able to do its, his little like flesh step teleport to save Willow, therefore confirming another fan theory that he absorbed Flapjack's magic. Mm -hmm. So now he has magic of his own. <laughs> and he tells her, like, well, he has tears in his eyes telling her she didn't do anything wrong, means the world to him, or at least that the two, all of them mean the world to him, and to never call herself the bat again, and that she doesn't have to carry this weight on her own. And this Gus manages to free himself long enough to say that reliable people like her need people to rely on too and to just let her frustrations out. So she finally decides to let loose and cries saying that she misses her dads. And at this yeah. Gus, yeah. Like, as much as I was kind of ragging on a lot of this episode feels like it has no point, this is the star of the episode. We, yeah. we really yeah. finally get this resolution from her. So Yeah, because like Willow's been battling this up for a long time, so it's like, yeah, at least we get this. Like, we get, we get, a, a, at the least, like, this episode has, like, good, like, Hunter, Gus, and Willow interaction. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, has, it has them, like, actually, like, being there for each other when they really need it. And uh, Gus uses uh, an illusion to locate Hunter about where he is, so he's able to, like, uh, teleport grab Willow over to Gus and grab him too and get them out of the pit to safety. But them then realizing, again, that Hunter has absorbed Flatjack's magic, so he can, he can cast magic himself now. And he then has to hastily teleport them out of the way if a wayward blast from loose because she's not sure how to use a staff yet. <laughs> and uh, they're all, they all have a bit of like, uh, this has a staff, why does that concern me? <laughs> like, we've been waiting, we, you and us, the audience, have been waiting for months for this fucking thing. Almost a year for us, actually. Well, not actually, no, it was like more like half a year, roughly, because I think that was like in May when she carved this, the egg. So it's like, we've been waiting for like half a year for this thing. You don't get to say that it's worrying. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Kikimura catches up to them, but Willow blocks her with some large plants and grabs a tree and just basically makes a vine slap her. And they just, like, also, like, have a brief fight for two, with Gus using illusions to make more copies of Willow, and at one point Hunter has to use his teleport to grab Willow when she's knocked out of the air by a straight shot. And Luce is just, like, being like, I missed a lot of shit, huh? Because <laughs> she didn't get to see their character growth <laughs> off screen, because she was elsewhere. And Kikimura basically is just like, ah, oh, I don't need this fucking school, I can make an empire of my own, and I'll start by tearing apart you and your stupid little friends. And at this, she's hit by uh, Maddie, Basha, and the other very students tossing flaming grudge balls at her. And Amity's there because, like, I guess Basha decided to actually not be an asshole as much for once, so she rejoins the hex squad, and they 
start to run off to go do the teleportation glyph, but Willow says that this doesn't resolve things between them, but Bastard says that she just wants to play Grudge Beef for friends and not give a fuck about anything else, really. <laughs> <laughs> and she and the other students basically just completely dogpile Kiki more than knock her over. <laughs> and they start to make the, the glyph, and Luce's, like, unformed, maybe still hidden, we're not sure, Palisman helps her by zipping her around so she can write the glyphs faster while her friends draw the circular parts. And Kiyomori works free long enough just to try to blast at them all, but Luce activates the glyph before they can be vaporized and teleports them to the skull successfully. And as everybody is celebrating that that worked, Luce sees her palisman swirling in its like nebula form again or whatever, saying to everybody come over here, and we get a little bit of more acknowledgement of like the various fan theories of bird, otter, bat, or snake. I don't know if dragon was also an option people came up with, but that's what Kamiya guesses. I mean, it's not but one her... I've ever heard before. Yeah, but... it's not one I ever heard of before, but it, like in Kamiya's defense, like dragon would probably be like the default like fantasy creature she would probably think of. That's she doesn't really... fair, yes. Yeah, she doesn't really know a whole lot about like various creatures on the Boiling Owls, but I mean, bird, otter, bat, and snake are the vain four that people always guess all the time. Because oh, I mean, of... she's from Connecticut. I would think, like, that's... If I were going to assume cryptids based on regionality, Jersey Devil's pretty much the closest you've got. <laughs> mm. uh, yeah, but nobody guesses that. But, like, I mean, Bird was a big one because of, you know, obviously uh, Luce's friendship with Ida. Otter was a big thing because of her Otter onesie. But I also feel like Otter was, like, the least likely <laughs> of all those because it was, like, it was really just the onesie was the only uh, example there. Bat was because of her bat phone case and her bat icon at the Tamagotchi with Amity's cat. And Snake was because of, like, everything with the snakes in the very first episode. The various, like, people thinking that there was, like, a snake design in, like, the, uh, the Owl House logo to match, <laughs> like, the owl design on the other side. So people thought Snake a lot. But the little creature basically shifts between multiple different forms before settling on basically just what looks like a Dratini, but with a snake tongue. <laughs> <laughs> it really looks like Dratini, in a sense. <laughs> And Luce calls her a snake shifter and names her String Bean, which is the most cute Luce name possible. Because of course you would name a little like snake kind of creature a String Bean. <laughs> <laughs> and Camille uh. goes and hugs String Bean and the other palace men, during which like Willow holds Hunter's hand and thanks him for what he said and says that she's important to him too. So of course again pushing the I forget the bad ship name even though it should just be Winter. Uh, <laughs> Huntlow, right. Huntlow is a bad name. I don't know why people default to Huntlow, but it's like, yeah. it, it, it's really... Yeah, so this is maybe backpedaling a little bit, but the way Luz talks about String Bean here, like, Snake Shifter is just right there. Do you think that this is a creature Luz has imagined before, or is she just yeah, improving a name on the spot? I think she's... I think this is just her, like, Boiling Isles creature OC, really. I don't think Snake Shifters are really a thing. No, no. I think no, it's just I... something that she created herself. Like, yeah, absolutely. I think it is something that she created, but my point is, do you think it's something she was thinking about earlier? Like, is this a OC that she created in advance, or is it improv? <laughs> it, it might be just improv, because, like, I mean, she intentionally didn't really have an idea of what the Palisman would be. That's why she made it into an egg rather than carve it herself. Yeah. To let it choose. So like maybe the maybe yeah, maybe maybe in her moment of saying that all she wanted to be was understood, the snake like looked deep into her heart and was like, Well, she made this like creature OC once before, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that works, I'll be that and look at you at the genie. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. 
Uh, but String Bean goes and becomes its staff form for Luce, and Luce and Amity joke about how Ida, King, and Hootie all have an equal chance of possibly eating her <laughs> if when introduced. And as we see, the Collector and Rain are watching them from above, and Rain says that uh, they were right and that Luce has come to help King finish the Collector off all at one, after all. And the Collector, therefore, obviously says it's time to play a new game at the end of the episode. Hmm, yes, be yeah. serious. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I'm pretty sure we don't have questions. I don't believe again. we do. Okay, well, uh, we can do briefly the... Uh, the thinking about the person in the in-between like you had an idea of before, oh, we, do, yes. before we do the fun little game I came up with on the spot uh, earlier. Yeah, well, that's fair. Uh, I mean, obviously I'm not an expert theory crafter, but at this point I feel like it's probably either A, another Titan, or B, another Collector, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking too. Like, some part of me, based on the wings being tattered, thought maybe it's like some leftover essence of Caleb and he's partially gooped like Bellows was, but I don't think that's likely. Like, yeah. I feel like Caleb is like full-on dead, except for the little bit that lives on in Hunter. I'm but strongly yeah, I, inclined to agree, yes. Yeah, like, I feel like it being like another Titan that's in, in between or another Collector probably seems the most likely... Yeah, because the thing is, we haven't seen too many characters with wings, right? It's, it's yeah. basically just the Bat Queen and, like, Albert, so... Yeah, like, uh... Oh god, I'm forgetting his name. The guy that voice, that's voiced by Gantu from Lilo and Stitch, who we thought was... Like, people thought was King's dad for a long time. Yeah. Like, the messenger guy. He had wings, but also, like, he and all the other Titan Trappers were just regular, like, inhabitants of the mm -hmm. demon realm yeah. wearing Titan skulls. So, like, he had wings, but he also had more, like, bat wings rather than, like, the tattered kind of, like, wings that whoever this person had. Yeah. So, yeah, it doesn't seem like it's, like, likely that it would be necessarily be other people, but, like, a lot of people have also thought, based on that, that King might grow wings when he's older, but at the same time, it's that's obviously not a Titan. Yeah. <laughs> and also, well, we don't know... We don't I mean, have any, like, view of, like, the Titan having had, like, a, like, skeletal structure of wings in the Boiling Owls at all. But well, they could also just be submerged in the water. I mean, I understand that viewpoint, but, like, we have seen other Titans, and they are extremely divergent in what they look like. Yeah. So, I mean, the other one had a horse skull, so... <laughs> this is true, yes. And, so. uh... Yeah, but to your other point that it might be another collector, it could be that like what we think are wings might just be like a tattered robe. Yeah, like that's maybe this part of like their clothing. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like a titan makes the most sense to me, just because, like realistically, if anyone was going to survive with a bunch of holes through their wings, it would probably be a titan. But, yeah. Yeah, I can't deny the possibility of another collector, especially since this episode went out of the way to highlight that there are more yeah, of them. That, that, yeah, that there are way more. We just don't know where they might be. Yeah. Uh, well, if the I mean, considering the rumor of this episode's title and air date were true back when it leaked, we do pretty much know the next one will release in April, based on the fact that we. I'm pretty sure we had, like when the leak happened originally, like back in October, November, it did specify January 21st as for the future. So we do basically know that Watching and Dreaming will release in three months as well. <laughs> but even if, even if we didn't, it's like there were three months between these two, so it makes sense that it would be three months again. <laughs> so, we'll see. But, uh, related to that, my fun little game I had, since we don't have any obvious trivia to cover because the episode hasn't officially aired yet, is this was an idea that I partially had back when we did the four-person... Uh, well, I guess, actually, apologies, I shouldn't say four people because of... Uh, 
Jules's whole uh, collective yeah. stuff. But yeah, but uh, when we had that episode on the first special, I had thought beforehand going into it and then totally forgot during the episode that I wanted to do like a like who do we think could possibly die because of Flapjack's death. <laughs> Nobody obviously died in this episode, but I have the <laughs> as I called it, the official Us Weirdos Owl House final finale death pool. <laughs> so we are going to have, I originally had this at 100 points, but I feel like that was too much. So we're going to have 50 points each to put money on, essentially money on who we think could die in the finale. And then we'll see who, if either of us wins when the finale airs. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, were there any intentions that you had as off the back that you wanted to put money on? Because I already have one I think I could put some points on. That I feel like might be easy money. Um, you know, this is maybe. I think. All right. So I didn't have time to prep this, but yeah, basically, I didn't tell you this. <laughs> entirely, purely off my dome. Mm-hmm. I have to, and I'm sorry for not bringing this out and making it more interesting. But I'm gonna put it all on Bellows. I think he's the only one who's gonna die. <laughs> You're saying all fifty points on Bellows? Yeah, I mean, I'm okay. not going to spread it around because I don't think anyone else is going to bite it. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I mean, I was I was about to say I was going to put 30 points on Bellos as well because Bellos, Bellos doesn't feel like he's going to have the, like, redemption arc no. like, thing that uh, Andreas had in Amphibia. And so, like, I feel like it's like he definitely has to fucking get got entirely because, <laughs> like, if he's not dealt with, he's just going to keep trying to body jack people anyway and just jumping around. <laughs> Yeah, so. the thing about Andreas is that he's expressing doubt basically through the whole thing, and yeah, Bellos like hasn't he, done that. Yeah, like, he, he felt bad even when he had to stab Marcy to try to get the box. I mean, he said yeah. straight up, like, look what you might be do. And it's like, yeah, well, technically, yes and no, Andreas, you're still the one who decided to stab a child. <laughs> That's still on you, bud, but, yeah, it got better, I guess. But uh, the other ones that I'm going to put, uh, since I still have 20... I'm gonna do an even split because I feel like it could be possible that Kamiya or Ida could die. So I'm gonna put 10 on each. Ah, okay. Yeah, I I, I feel like it's just like, Ida would, like both of them are like good, like options that like, yeah, they would definitely dive in front of something to protect Luce. And like, I gotta say, sorry to hear Kamiya in particular, but like, I feel like it would be just an easy way of being able to explain the way that Luz can just stay in the demon realm all the time if her mom was dead. Because <laughs> really, um, like, her mom is like the only thing that really ties her back to the demon realm. <laughs> or not back to the human realm necessarily. I mean, even V could come along with her to the demon realm after that. <laughs> but it's like, I don't know, I, I feel like it could kind of go either way. <laughs> Um, for a while, I, for a while, I did consider putting like five on like Albert or even String Beans just to be like maybe Bellows gets them and eats them. But at the same time, <laughs> I feel like they wouldn't do that to those two necessarily, even though they would hurt the most. But probably not as much as Flapjack. The Flapjack was actually really like the Palsman that had the most characterization. Yeah, I guess if I could. So I don't think any more Palismans are going to get got, specifically Mm -hmm. because Flapjack was the big one. That's the one that's supposed to hurt us. Yeah, yeah, Flapjack is the one that was established as, like, a real character. Yeah. Which is funny, considering how, like, he was introduced way later on than even Owlbert, and Owlbert most has been forgotten by the show. (laughs) (laughs) R.A.P. Owlbert. Yeah, so I, I sincerely doubt that they would kill another palisman just because we already had that hit. If they were going to yeah. kill anyone, it would need to be a person. But with that said, I don't think that they're going to 
because as much as Luce has been through, if we want this show to have a relatively happy ending, we can't break her any more than we already have. She has to be in the process yeah, of fixing herself. Like, I already kind of am feeling like because you put all 50 on Bellas, you're probably going to win this in three months. <laughs> <laughs> but I was also like, I didn't want to obviously also go for the easy money because, I mean, I put most of mine on Bellas anyway, but it's like yeah. I want it to be more interesting. But even though I'm like pretty sure you're like, just going to win and be right here because, like, there ain't no way that Bellas gets redeemed or stays alive at the end of this. That man is going to die fully. <laughs> Yeah, like, it, he it's... cheated death once before just based on being a goop monster. Once the collector realizes he's there, the collector is definitely just gonna full kill him. <laughs> like, if this were another network, if this were another storytelling mode, I would probably put money on King dying. But because it's Disney Channel, that's not gonna happen. <laughs> yeah, like I, I feel like putting any on the kids at all, any of them would just be throwing like your points away. Exactly. Like, yeah. I, I mean, they already kind of had the, like, almost fake out with Hunter, but also Hunter is, like, the oldest of them. Like, a 16-year-old is, like, kind of fair game, I guess, to have killed. <laughs> I mean, considering that, like, I mean, he he at least had, like, a better chance of pulling through that when that happened than, like, Marcy did, because Marcy got stabbed through the fucking heart with a laser sword. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, they both were fine because magic and shit because i mean they had like ancient amphibian like super tech regeneration <laughs> chambers and also like a little like magic bird who could get <laughs> magic powers to somebody to keep them alive yeah compared but still compared to the two it's like yeah well you knew marcy was going to be okay because she didn't like you didn't see her fully die even though she collapsed but it's like yeah but also like yeah it's, it's well, a good show they're 13 I mean, although to be fair they do temporarily kill off Anne in that show <laughs> to be fair <laughs> Yeah, like, we didn't know Marcy was going to be okay, because, especially because of the whole, we're deleting her personality thing. True. Like the, the We knew her body did, was going to be okay. Yeah, the, the previews did show Darcy and all, so, like, we at least had the idea that her body would be okay, even if her mind wasn't. But it's like, again, that show did temporarily kill off Anne. Yeah. <laughs> really not actually temporarily. Like, the original Anne did die. She just no, got she's back. super dead. There's just a copy of her, and she, like, she even, like, lands is like, this is probably gonna be something I'm gonna have to uh, deal with when I'm an adult later on in life. But not at the moment. Because, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, accidentally horrifying that your original self died, and you are basically a, like, control-Z, control-V. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, if this were a novel, absolutely, I think King would be the one to bite it, specifically because he's the one putting in so much work and getting so close to the big bad guy. But, yeah. you know, he's eight. He's not gonna. <laughs> yeah. Like, we agree, like, none of the kids are really up for grabs, and also the collector. Yeah. Like, it doesn't feel like it would go the direction of just fight the collector till the collector's poofed or anything. I just don't see how it could go that way. The collector is yeah. too much for that. Yeah, like, I mean, like, Andreas and the core were powerful, but also Anne had, again, literal magic in the form of, like, the Calamity Stone. So, well, like, the kids yeah. here also have literal magic, but it's not the same yeah, thing. But yeah, yeah, they they, ha they all have magic, but also the Collector is a literal, like, god, in a sense. <laughs> yeah, and, but, and the kids are unbelievably powerful, but they're still Krillin standing in front of Goku. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like, the kids were only, like, able to basically, like, win against uh, Bellos in a sense because like if they just kept him busy he would just eventually tie him out because of the uh, draining spell killing him <laughs> like it wouldn't be necessarily them just like beating him into goop until he was fully dead he would just wither away because of the draining spell yeah. like they could basically just wait him out it's like well you got you got the damage over time on you bud we just gotta wait and not die from you you'll take <laughs> care of yourself basically at this point but it's like yeah they, they would not be able to just 
fight the collector properly. Like, there might be a point where, like, King has to, like, scream at uh, the collector to stop the powers and everything to try to, like, mm-hmm. actually have a conversation. But it's like, yeah, it definitely feels like it's going more in the direction of let's find a way to, like, convince the collector to step down as opposed to let's kill the kid, I guess. <laughs> now, I want to throw something else at you, and mm-hmm. this is probably not going to happen, but in O Titan, where art thou, King was really concerned and upset about the possibility that he'd be so big one day how do we feel about some sort of titan apotheosis where he has to turn into the giant version in order to take the collector away i also had considered that at times yeah that's like like that was like back when i feel like people were like kind of convinced that the boiling elves would really not be much of a thing or be fully like just ripped apart the shreds and stuff and mm-hmm. then he would basically become the new boiling elves but like well, I, I also don't die for that. <laughs> yeah, but like uh, yeah, I don't know how he would necessarily like super age that fast <laughs> to be the new Isles. Well, but like uh, what I'm suggesting is not that it's an age thing. It's like a, a I don't know a some sort of super puberty. You trigger the thing and then boom. <laughs> I mean that still also still again comes with the implication that he would die. <laughs> yeah. Well, even there. Like, what I'm talking about is just him having to to apotheose, to become the new Titan, not to die and become the new Isles, but to somehow take the Collector away from Oh, forever. okay. So, so you're thinking that he would just be big and just be a full-grown adult by the end of the show. Not, Stop the Collector. Yeah, I mean, I'm not even necessarily saying adult. I just... Teen King. <laughs> what I am positing here is that it doesn't make sense for me to grow to that size naturally if you start as small as he is. So I, mean, I feel like there's probably the t- some sort of magical process that... <laughs> it, we don't know how long Titans live, to be, to be fair. They, they, the Titan that, like, his dad is, that, like, became the Isles, like, he might have been, like, 10,000 years old, and, like, the his, uh, like, egg just didn't hatch for so long for some reason, because they just need a long time. I mean, yeah, but also... As big as his dad is i mean it would be effectively impossible to even notice you had a child much less take care of them <laughs> well that's why he had john luke t- watching over him because <laughs> john luke is a uh, normal human size <laughs> or i guess rich size in the cases well he's bigger than that but not yeah, overly not by a whole lot yeah he's, he's like, like basically the same eight he's feet like yeah it's kind of like yeah, I guess he's like, actually really not the same size as either, but like taller. But like, yeah, it's still like not nearly as tall as the Titan, obviously. Mm-hmm, yeah. Large enough that he could still take care of a child. <laughs> I, I guess we shouldn't probably assign pronouns to John Luke. We don't know John Luke's pronouns. Yeah. I think <laughs> yeah. they refer to John Luke with he in the episode, but they're pretty, kind sure, of just guessing. Sure. Yeah, I mean, John Luke is just like a like uh, basically like a warforged, yeah. some goop. <laughs> It all comes back to Goop in the end. It's always Goop. <laughs> <laughs> we don't know what happened to John Luke. Did, maybe the Emperor's Coven took John Luke. <laughs> we don't see Luce's well, room. Well, I mean, they must have, right? They took everything yeah. else. Well, we didn't see Luce's room at all after they raided the house when Luce and King got back, nor in this episode. I so, like, guess, we don't, but if they took they left... everything else, why wouldn't they take... <laughs> uh, I mean, it's probably more likely they would have, considering that they didn't take Edith's bed, but they might see, like, this weird, like inactive like stone guardian be like we should probably take that thing right that's probably not great to leave here (laughs) (laughs) but probably also not a great thing to just bring that thing because we don't know what it might do but at the same time we probably shouldn't leave it here (laughs) (laughs) i think john Uh, luke comes back for the finale (laughs) i 
Probably not, right? I'm actually unsure about that. Because, like, John Luke only was active in, like, the little temple or whatever where King was kept in, like, before he had hatched and when he was growing up initially. Yes, what? but what I would posit is that probably what makes John Luke function is Titan magic. So if King comes into his power, then it's very possible he'll just reactivate him. Yeah, or he might, or it might just even be a case of like he could just like scream over at John Luke and they would reactivate him because now he actually has like some part of his magic. Yeah. Whatever, whatever Titan powers would be, even if it's not magic necessarily. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, guess yeah. I guess this would also be another opportunity for us to be like, do you think X ever comes back or whatever? Because, like, you, you think, like, I, I, I can see them, like, have Ed and M be back just in, like, like you said, like, just not talking. Yeah. Even though, even though I joked that Ed got eaten by kindergartners right there. <laughs> but, uh, uh, last chance, do you think Tibbles comes back again? <laughs> He's I been, really, been, really don't want he's him been to, the but fucking, he will he's be been there. The fucking, he's been the fucking albatross around our necks for so long. Every time <laughs> we thought he was gone, he came back. Even in our fucking non-canon <laughs> tabletop session, he was there. <laughs> uh, uh, he's going to be there. I don't think he's going to be important. I don't think he's oh, going to yeah, have no, lines, but we're going to yeah, see him. No, like, uh, yeah, I'm talking more along the lines of, like, do they have, like, a, like, wide shot of people, like, being unpuppeted and he's there? Like, Yes, he's like, absolutely kind of, there. Yeah, like, I, I could see that being, like, the back queen might be there in some form, like, just being, like, maybe she got... She probably got collector at some point. We don't necessarily know if you can collect her. I don't know if you can... Yeah, we don't know if you can puppet Palisman, because she's a Palisman. Yeah, she's already made of wood. <laughs> True, yeah, she might be immune to that. So, like, maybe she shows up in some capacity just in, like, a group shot or something, or maybe she's there in some other form. We're not really Be sure. Yeah, but beyond that, like, her hidden sanctuary in the forest, I feel like, probably makes her the safest of anyone on the Isles. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Considering that even Bellows couldn't find them. Mm-hmm. Uh... Maybe a Basilisk would be better, because I don't know how the Collector's powers work. Maybe a Basilisk could just eat the Star Spies, but that's a big maybe. <laughs> yeah, well, I... I, I hope, speaking of that, I hope that, it, like, we actually do see V at least once more in the finale, even if it's, like, in, like, the end... Where it's like they like all like get back to the human realm in some capacity. I hope she's just there at least in that form. Yeah, absolutely. Because honestly, honestly, it was a bummer that she stayed behind. Like it made sense because it's like yeah, you have to have somebody to cover for Camilla and Luce not being around again. <laughs> so it makes sense that the shapeshifter would. But it's also <laughs> a bummer because like I like V and it's like at the same time V really only had like one episode to really actually be important necessarily. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, that's the episode where she's introduced, and she is very important in the episode <laughs> overall throughout, so it's, it's just a bit of a bummer, because, like, obviously, again, she couldn't really be all that important since we never actually really got to the human realm until the very end. And to be fair, she was, like, there helping them out in, like, the previous episode, but, like, it was kind of a bummer, because I was really hoping that she'd stick around to, like, you know, try to, like, Kirby mode Bellos again at some point, <laughs> or the Collector, possibly. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I guess, again, since this is, like, again, the last opportunity to really do that, do you think we get a time skip in the end to show, like, in, like, the for the final shot or anything? Um. Like, kind of like Amphibia, do we get, like, uh, Don't Lose Anamity Married or something? I don't think I want that, but it would not surprise me. Yeah. But I, 
mostly I think the reason I wouldn't want it is simply because Amphibia did it, you know? Yeah, it would, feel it, a it little... would be like, a, yeah, it'd be a little too similar, I guess, yeah. Yeah. But I would not be surprised if maybe there was just like a one-year time skip and we see them, how they're living, how they're coexisting back and forth from the human yeah, world like, to the like aisles. May- yeah, like maybe it's like a little like montage of like we see like, maybe that's like how we see like other characters like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like maybe it's like it's a year later and people are still like rebuilding from both the day of unity and the collector kind of deal. And yeah, it's like, I oh, feel like, like that's a lot more likely than flashing forward to adult versions. Yeah, where it's like, oh, it's like, where are they now? Oh, uh, Hunter's going to Hexide now, and he's like on the Flower Derby team full time with his friends and all or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll know yeah, in yeah. like three months <laughs> again. <laughs> It's uh, it's gonna be bittersweet, in one way or another, because it's like, oh uh, yeah, it's like, it, it eagerly anticipating to see what happens, but at the same time, knowing that there's only like 40 minutes left of Barrel House unless Disney decides to do like a spinoff or something, which probably not, because it's even took them up until just like the last couple of weeks to finally acknowledge, the, yeah, we probably fucked up by canceling Owl House. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. At least they did, compared to Netflix canceling everything and just being like, we don't understand why people aren't subscribing. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, yes. but, uh, yeah. Well, I mean, we only got uh, three more recordings of Shira before we're done with that, too. Before we're That's true, yeah. Something else. Yeah. It's funny because uh, I already watched your episode like a month ago. <laughs> that was back when I thought we were going to do one more before doing the Christmas one, so I already watched that episode. I, I remember what happened, well. and like, I was very amused by the air quotes new character that you said right, we still had to be introduced to. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, yes. I might yeah. have to watch that one again just to refresh my memory. Even though I'm that might pretty, be a good I'm, idea. I'm pretty sure I know most of what really happened in it, but like I might at the least also like look over my notes a little bit. But it's like, it, it's a little bit of a straightforward episode, and really just establishes them getting back to Etheria. I almost said Amphibia, <laughs> 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 different planet of magic and stuff. Nice, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, assuming everything goes to plan, we'll be done with Shira. Yeah, assuming you don't get COVID again. (laughs) Yeah, assuming I or you don't get COVID again in the next couple weeks to be finished with Fira on the. uh, When when that would be. Uh, We don't miss a single week. We should finish Fira on the 9th, so that episode will release like the week of the 13th. Yeah, Yeah, we we should be starting show 3 on the 16th of February, like you said. Sounds. Yeah. And I think we'll probably leave that a mystery for now, but uh, not for much longer. <laughs> yeah, in there. But, yeah, so I, I, I don't have any questions for you. You prepped for this end bit way better than I did, so... <laughs> By that you mean I had an idea while I was at work to be like, should we do a death pool? Sure, why not? We don't have any <laughs> trivia. There's no trivia uh, for this episode that exists yet, besides what we've noticed watching yeah. it a few times. Yeah. <laughs> uh. But, yeah, so I think... Maybe we should have to acknowledge that in the next year episode, that it's like, yeah, there might be stuff that people noticed in the Owl House episode. Yeah. <laughs> Just well, to briefly mention. Maybe. We'll take a look and see what happened. I yeah. didn't notice anything especially interesting, but, you know... Yeah, it... I mean, no new characters introduced besides whoever that person in the in-between is, and, like, we just don't... I feel like we got as much as we possibly could about who that could even be. Yeah, absolutely. We just really don't, we really just don't know at the moment. Unless they're... Unless someone goofed up and just put that character's name in the credits, I don't think we're gonna. 
I don't think I noticed anything in there because it was just like a bunch of panting and stuff. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's it for the next few months, and it's sad to see it go again. But I guess we gotta. So. Yep. We we gotta see it. We gotta let it go for a bit, so this way it can come back and hopefully be a great finale. <laughs> and then make us sad again when there will be no more Owl House. Yep. Yep. Uh, for the moment, I think there's not much left to say, but uh, remember, us weirdos, us weirdos have to stick, stick together. together. Bye. Bye.